Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 32, the podcast where David Wary Smith just gives up and reveals that he wants to be directing a horror movie in his real-life career. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember his name right now. He's French. Um, he's the guy who did uh, Heavy Rain, the video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Heavy Rain, and uh, that one's actually not a bad game. It's got some fucking weird plot holes in it, don't get me wrong. It's not a not-flawed game, but he definitely revealed himself even more with his other game, Beyond Two Souls, where I'm totally ripping this off from CinemaSins. Uh, where he just made a movie instead of a video game? Yeah, somebody on you, not CinemaSins, sorry, uh, NerdCube, that's what it was. Yeah, NerdCube, where he was just, he was pissed because it was just a movie. You, uh-huh. I, I've, I've ranted about it before. It's you, you just leave the character alone. They basically walk themselves through the game. So, <laughs> uh, it's a terrible, terrible game. It's w- a waste of two very, very good actors and a bunch of other good actors too thrown in there. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like that where David Wary Smith, <laughs> he, uh, he had a dream for himself. He was going to be the next Eli Roth. He was going to be the next horror maestro, maestro. And instead he's, Eli Roth. Why would you pick Eli Roth? How dare you say that about David Wary Smith? I like Cabin Fever. Eli Roth also did fucking Hostel. I mean, it's just in my head. What do you want from me? I mean, you really should have said David Cronenberg, considering... No, 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 no. See, 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 David Cronenberg, I I purposely repress because (laughs) David Cronenberg is entirely too successful at what he does. (laughs) And it's just too creepy. It's too gross. It's too creepy and gross for me. I've never seen it again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you'd think I would have stayed away because of the claymation, but honestly, no, it's mostly just because of the everything else about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And today we're recording, uh, separately, because of the new quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, so heads up, uh, I am fully aware of (laughs) <laughs> how much road noise there is going on right now. I have two comforters rigged up over the giant-ass window in here to try to keep some of the sound out, and it's kind of helping. Kind <laughs> but yeah. of. So, my, uh, I'm already an amateur at editings, you know, just literal factual terms, so I'm not worried about editing this, but I, I guess it's mostly just me going, full disclosure, if this sounds crappier than usual or old-school-level crappy before we knew what we were doing at all. Yeah. Then it's officially not my fault yet. It's not my fault until at least there's two episodes of me doing a bad job. Oh, I know. My uh, my other podcast, the one where I'm editing, two episodes in, I get to learn how to edit two audio files at once. Uh, but yeah, so today, at a distance, we <laughs> both watched uh, episode 10 of season 2, Fame, an episode that neither of us could remember existing. <laughs> As usual, I say this so many times, but it's always funny to me when I don't remember an episode and then a few seconds into it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this thing. Um, <laughs> but I, it's extra funny to me, honestly, that I couldn't remember this one, considering how the girl, the little girl, yeah, Ali, I don't know if you recognize the kid, but her face might look familiar to you. It's because when she's a few years older, she plays teenage Cassandra. Oh my god! <laughs> Yeah, it took me at least 30, not that, not 30 minutes. It took, me, it took so me about 10 funny. minutes. And I, I wish I could say it was entirely on me. I was like, okay, I know she's in, like, sci-fi. I know it's like, Ur, but I was, like, convinced, convinced it was in the Stargate Star Trek realm. And I was right. Trivia was very helpful on that one. That's funny. I will be completely honest. Even after watching this episode, I don't remember this episode. Interesting. 
I don't know. I think my mind decided to protect me. <laughs> Which is not to say that it's a bad episode. It's not. Yeah. It's just that there's a lot of squeamish bits in it. <laughs> there's a reason I say you should have said Cronenberg. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there were, there were a couple moments where I'm like, uh, 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 <laughs> while I was watching it. Always fun. So, I still don't remember this episode, even after watching it, but here is the <laughs> official synopsis for this episode. A giant flying insect has bitten Teal'c. Not true, it's Stein. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it was implied. Yeah, they, they do say venom, so... And it very visibly stung him with his tail in the episode, so they're already wrong. <laughs> it was definitely more like a hornet-type situation, so I definitely feel like stung is definitely an accurate word versus bitten. Like, I, yeah. I must say, technically bitten probably isn't technically incorrect here, but fuck it. A giant flying insect has bitten Teal and is reconfiguring his DNA. Soon his body will transform into a cocoon and give birth to hundreds of alien insects. Can the SG-1 team capture one of the bugs, extract the venom, and save Teal before it's too late? Actually, the episode uh, clearly specifies that at most, well, not at most, but the safe guess they had was around 10-ish bugs per body, not hundreds for one body. They actually make a point of the fact that they say 10-ish bugs per body for a regular human. They also make the point that as a Jaffa with the gold, all that gold nonsense that was done to him he has more matter to turn into bugs so he would make more bugs probably not hundreds no not hundreds i feel like hundreds more than 10 no just two things one i accidentally said uh he's a teal which cracked me up and he's a teal he's a teal (laughs) and second i might as well get this note out of the way now then as i have said before with many of my problems that i'll have with any kind of show i understand how you know the applied phlebotum yeah, I, I know how the applied phlebotanum moniker, you know, is meant, and I know it's meant for this kind of situation where everything's meant to be a certain kind of vague and everything. Yeah. Is, and it's not, you know, that far off. And of course, obviously, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but, you know, <laughs> it's not that I have an overall issue with this premise because it is technically possible. You know, it's today we have a word for it, um, CRISPR, you know, genetic editing, gene yeah. editing. Um, mm-hmm. So, and CRISPR as an idea has been around, obviously, for a very long time. Um, the guy who did not actually discover DNA, but stole that from the chick who actually did discover DNA, of course, naturally, he ended up turning out to be a bit of a eugenicist. Um, of course. F- um, but the whole idea is that since then, people have you know had this concept of editing G- DNA. So, as a premise, I'm not against it. Uh, the idea of another species somehow having a, pl- a part in creating something like this, I have no problem with whenever that's done. Whenever there's your requisite sci-fi bug episode yeah, like this, um, I, especially when it's a transformation type episode like this, I, I definitely am not complaining that much because I know what channel I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but having said all of that, it's kind of funny to me that People just, of all the things to just expect everyone to be on board with, it's always really funny to me how much writers expect people to just completely not care about the fact that a, a, a virus or a you know venom, whatever, that's meant to turn everything it encounters, you know, being-wise, you know, humanoid being-wise, into yeah. um, more of itself. 
I don't think the writers realized just just how fucking impressive craftsmanship wise as a virus as a venom you know whatever to be able to do that to be able to encompass so much so not only is it able to handle like you know humans or the average kind of human it would encounter it's also able to completely do its job on a Jaffa which again is an already genetically engineered being well I mean I will say it's pretty much insinuated that Jaffa were originally descended from humans anyway as well. They came from humans, and they make a point of the fact that it is those genetic enhancements that the gold get put on him that slowed it as much as it did. Oh, yeah, no, if I get that. Jack I'm just... or Sam or Daniel no, had I... been uh, yeah. stung. It's, it would it's have not... happened far too quickly for them to solve it. That's, that's not an issue for me at all. It's, it's the outside problem of it which is i'm down with that being the logical steps you know that it's what slowed down the prog you know the process versus stopping it i'm still just very impressed with that you know whole thing because it, not only was it able to still do it but it wasn't even slowed by that much like this didn't take like a process of weeks or whatever genetic editing is just a little more complicated than that obviously. oh no no i don't i don't disagree like you were saying at the end of the day this is a sci-fi show there's a point where we have to go, yeah. Right. So yeah, and this is obviously meant to be the whole technologically advanced yada yada. I'm, I'm yeah. like I said, I'm not really complaining. It's just that I remember this being a thing for me once before years ago when I was watching Star Trek Enterprise. Obviously never the best example of, you know, Star Trek to begin with. But one of the ideas they had was an episode very similar to this where everyone um, that lands on a certain planet, the, the species that was indigenous to it, turns out that when they were dying as out as a species, they decided to create a virus. Anyone who lands on the planet gets literally changed into that species and on top of that gets a bunch of memories, like genetic memory, basically downloaded into them to kind of like instinctually guide them to like what used to be the uh, capital city type thing. Uh -huh. It's kind of insinuated that it basically is able to do this to every species. Naturally, of course, Vulcans happen to be slightly resistant to it. So naturally, one of the characters that gets infected, you know, is able to you know, lead the way to freedom. But of course, it's still really funny to me, though. The fact that they gloss over just so heavily in that episode and in this one, just how fucking impressive it is that this a species was able... I, I don't remember exactly if these uh, demon dragonflies were actually genetically altered, like, made to be like this, but either way, even if they They weren't. don't say one way or yeah, another. Yeah, So either way, let's say it was an accident. It's even more impressive that nature managed to do this. Yeah, but that's the thing. The idea that they created like, I was that. honestly wondering if we would find out and... Like I said, they don't they don't have an answer one way or another if it was naturally born or not. Uh, but I did have a genuine wonder where I'm like, because of the fact that Mayborn was talking about using it as a biological weapon, I'm like, were these bugs a biological weapon that just destroyed this planet? Yeah, I could see that being a thing. But my whole thing was, I have no problem with the CRISPR, not really. It's just funny to me how it's literally never even touched on just how fucking impressive it would be. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to create something that could do that much on the spot editing in the sense that let's say it was meant to you know handle your average human it comes across a Jaffa and not only does it go with it, it granted I'm not even caring about the fact that he's still descended from humans it's still genetically engineered so it's definitely not what they were going that virus was no, going yeah, for absolutely. so the fact that it stopped assessed and continued and then continued we think probably all the way would have been successful mm-hmm very impressive. It's mostly a compliment to the species. <laughs> yeah. These are one of the moments I'd go for like that extra line of, and holy fuck, isn't that impressive that they were able to do this? <laughs> I wonder who they were. Like something, anything. Yeah. 
So on that note, uh, we've mentioned both of this, these names at this point. Uh, this episode is written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by David Wary Smith. And I will say on that note, yeah, it's definitely not his strongest episode that he's written. It's not the worst. But though. I do think it still shows his strength as a writer. That if you gave this concept to one of the less competent... <laughs> I don't know if confidence is a kind word to use. I don't know. Structured, uh, thoughtful, thoughtful maybe. One of the less thoughtful writers, it would have been even more off the walls. And, like, there's at least some reality and structure to this episode. Yes, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but it's still something where you can kind of follow it along and be like, yeah, all right, sure. Like, there's still actually a discernible story, so. Absolutely. And, and this isn't, this isn't his normal fare. Like, this isn't, I was surprised to see this with Robert C. Cooper when I read the synopsis. I'm like, this doesn't seem like something he would have written. Yeah. Oh, so, here's the funny thing about that. I just looked it up because this episode is, like I said, it's a requisite sci-fi kind of episode, so it's not like every other show hasn't done this, too. No, yeah. <laughs> but I had to look it up because this episode is insanely similar to an SGA episode. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to look it up because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Well, Robert C. Cooper Robert was C. a writer. Wrote a lot of SGA. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought he wrote mostly SGU. And I knew he was a part of SGA. I guess I just, I guess I don't even remember what I thought anymore. Because I definitely know he was, he's good for some really good episodes. Not that this episode from SGA isn't, it's also not exactly what I'd call the best episode ever. (laughs) Not every writer's going to be perfect every time. But I'm looking at it right here, Robert C. Cooper. So he ripped off himself. written by Martin Garrow, but yeah, story by Robert C. Cooper and Martin Garrow, the other other episode of Stargate. That one's called Conversion. So in a very long time, when we get to Conversion, and you're like, why does this seem so familiar? I'll be like, oh my god, remember 17 years ago? I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that when it happens, and seeing where the similarities are. That'll be interesting. Uh, Yeah, so with all of that out of the way, you ready to actually talk about the episode? Nah. (laughs) Okay, so so. we open up on, honestly, a really good... um, setting shot because we don't get settings like this all that often it's like an abandoned water metropolis city you'll never get it again because that's actually the site of the uh, world's fair 1986 world's fair and that uh, structure is no longer around they demolished it in 2007 because it turns out that entire glass structure was actually unsafe i'm not surprised but that's still unfortunate because it was a really good it was a really good setting shot i thought it's called the. It was called the Plaza of Nations. Hmm. It was built in Vancouver for the 1986 World's Expo. Boy, that's two episodes in a row where where they filmed on location in recognizable places in Canada. <laughs> the only downside, honestly, to filming there was it's it's a public. It was a public use building at the time, so there's a couple of shots where it's very clear that, like for example, there's a couple of posters that are obviously still in the door inside the building. Like you can't see the posters; you only see their adhesive back, but it's still clearly like some sort of like. Like a, probably like an evacuation route type thing or something, but it's obviously a you know a poster and it doesn't really fit with the aesthetic. But the reason why, why not? Even they're that, also supposed to be as advanced as us. Sure, I guess. Yeah. Either way, I was going to be a nitpick and I was looking at the uh, doors because I was like, wow, I love how they even designed their uh, handle architecture exactly the same as us. And as I was going to be a smartass, I noticed there was a train moving in the background. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> and that's what I was really I mostly laughing that. at. The poster, you're right, is totally. 
explainable, but yeah, I feel like, uh, I mean, maybe it's like Snowpiercer. Maybe, maybe there's just like yeah. an automatic train still running in the background. Absolutely. Know? It's a, it's a solar powered train. Yeah. It was <laughs> built before going. the time of the demon dragonflies. Listen, it's, it's not unfeasible. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I just laughed at that. Uh, but yeah, so we open up on that setting. And Daniel says the architecture here might indicate Earth ancestry, as if that's suddenly new from any of the other planets you've been to. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a weird... I, lamp shading is always a little bit painfully obvious. Um, yeah. But that one is extra. That's why I was kind of surprised to see it was Robert C. Cooper, because I was like, this just... Too much of this episode was weird, obvious shit. Like, they didn't put in lines that would have been helpful, but they put in tons of ones that were like, okay, it's weird what you don't trust the audience to figure out. Yeah, that's... This line almost feels like something that was like a note from the studio. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> somebody else somebody said this. the uh, bracket, the stuff that's in brackets. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a, a meeting. I was like, come on, Daniel. <laughs> right. Uh, Jack steps in gross orange goo on the ground, and Sam decides it's bird poop? <laughs> Sam, what kind of pigeons have you seen? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I do love that in the scene, Sam and Daniel are hat matchies. They're both wearing the floppy hats. Hat game is on point. It's funny you said that, because there's a note I have later where, uh, when you, when we see what is honestly... What I can only describe as the most Canadian gang of hoodlums I've ever seen. Yes! <laughs> um, I just loved how they each had their, including the little girl when she shows up, everybody had their own hat. Their own Hell unique yeah. hat aesthetic. Not just type, but style and wearing uh, style as well. But yeah, everyone had their own official hat aesthetic, and it was it was great. It was everybody, the casting department took real pains there to make sure everyone had their own unique look. Except for Teal'c, the person with a really obvious tattoo on his head. Yeah. But at least they don't ignore that it exists. I do appreciate that. I know we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm never not annoyed by, especially when you're doing episodes that do a lot of focus on Teal'c's face, I'm never not annoyed by how much that fucking gold thing sticks yes. up off the skin. Like, guys, yeah, if you're going to have an episode where you're emphasizing how sweaty he is, you should be really doing a... You should be adding <laughs> at least an extra couple grand to your uh, budget just for costuming, just for that constant touch-up, because you're going to be on his face for a fucking ton of this episode, and you talk about how... It, you literally talk in this episode, finally, on record, talk about what exactly that um, gold thing in, entails... And so it makes it extra annoying when it's then later sticking up at the edges. This yeah. thing that's supposedly well, even gold like right into your he head. Gives that speech as he's turning away. You can see a little bit on the edge where it's like, "Come on, guys!" Yeah, exactly. So, oi, oi, they. Okay, but uh, so Sam talks about how there is no radiation on this planet, and it's almost one hundred percent pollution free. Uh, probably because there's no fucking humans here. <laughs> I, I don't know necessarily how fast, let's say they were like us in average, more than average uh, pollutants, you know, were in the air. I don't know how long it takes for nature to naturally filter that shit out. So I guess it's completely plausible that it'd be almost entirely pollution free. They also might have just always been using cleaner energy than exactly. we have. I just, I find it hard to imagine sometimes the concept of I know, it's wild thinking ahead and think not, you know, still burning dinosaurs. isn't. Uh, delaying our progress with clean energy. But they basically determined from that information from the reading of the planet that it's probably nothing to do with the gold. 
because there would be like more obvious destruction destruction instead of just like ghost town or deterioration there we go yeah plus let's say it wasn't a site of bombardment or something I, there's at least one episode that mentioned that usually not usually i don't know if the word usually was used but they did mention that um sometimes a gold will leave behind a, some kind of mark to show that they were there you know to kind of like you know See, like, haha, look what I did. So, at the very least, that we would have probably expected some sort of mark from a gold. Yeah. If they had been there, and there wasn't even that. So, yes, there was evidence building up that there probably wasn't a gold presence here. Yeah, and uh, while they're talking about that, something is uh, very obviously from the noise. Like, there, there's a very specific wing noise that bugs make. <laughs> Yeah, the bzz noise. Or what the sound effect part like, the same is. size of, like, a bird just doesn't make that noise. So something that sounds like a bug, but big, zooms past Jack, and Jack's like, whoa! <laughs> uh, and a huge bug lands on Teal'c, and Jack is like, okay, I'm gonna shoot it. Y- yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not that that isn't an answer I would like. I just, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like there might have been like something some step in between that like i don't know hitting it that probably would have been much more likely to because he was thinking and here's the thing he's been hitting he it had a bullet to make the, the cockback noise he could have killed it before it stung too oh yeah because if you notice it's literally when he did the the cockback noise i don't know anything about guns if you can't tell <laughs> when he did the cockback noise it's called cocking the gun or pulling back the hammer okay sure <laughs> It was the moment that happened that the bug struck. So if he'd had some way to not do that, he probably could have shot it off of Teal before it could do anything. Whereas hitting it off with something that big, it'd still be alive. It still would have been able to sting him. I feel like, honestly, especially since they didn't come in prepared for a bug infestation like they do later on. It's not that I'm going to argue with you in my next sentence. It's just that it's a fucking bullet. <laughs> no, no. No, you're not wrong. It's an extreme reaction, but it's an extreme bug. It is an extreme bug, and I here's the thing. I, I talk I talk big, and so on, but let's say I'm in this situation. You would have shot it, too. <laughs> yeah, it's probably at this point, it's probably assumed that I have a gun in my hand, and I'm at least aware of it and okay with it, in the sense of obviously if it were actually me. We all know how I feel about guns, but I'm assuming I'd have a gun in my hand anyway. <laughs> you know, if being on a different planet and all. Field yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I like to think that uh, I'd be better, but no, 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 no. I'd also be going, shoot it! Um, I'd be shooting it literally as I was pulling the trigger. Yes! <laughs> so I guess we'd really find out what Junior's healing uh, capabilities are. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so he tries to shoot it, but it stings Teal'c first. Uh, and while they're worrying about, like, getting Teal'c, you know, stabilized or whatever, Daniel's like, uh, we need to go. <laughs> so I just realized something. They do say Venom a bunch in this, and I, I'm definitely not saying that it didn't sting him. I'm definitely not saying that. I just realized, though, that technically the uh, terminology is if something poisons, it stings you, then you're poisoned. If you're bitten by it, though, it's then it's, ven- then it's venom. So I think is they it were... Yeah, poisonous I think so. for stings? I think so. I'm gonna look this I up. Sworn, yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just now thinking about it. I'm realizing that even though they still didn't do it very well, they could technically be supporting that synopsis uh, bullshit with it being a bite. Okay, it seems like it's honestly interchangeable. Uh, so the first result I 
pulled up says venomous insects bite or sting people and they inject a poison, parentheses, venom, into a person with their mouth or stinger. Okay, So it's cool. interchangeable. Cool. Awesome, awesome. But it definitely stung him. It did not bite him. Oh, yeah, no. Like I said, I was uh, still firmly on the bandwagon of that was definitely a, a sting. Yeah. It was definitely more highly implied to me that it was a sting, just in terms of how it looked. Absolutely. Visually. Well, because you see, like, the curved, like, scorpion tail come out. Yeah, also, later, it looks like it's a single uh, point of injection versus a bite is usually absolutely. more than one. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But yeah, so they're like, uh, there's a big swarm of them coming. We need to run. Yeah. On that note, that plague of locusts CGI is almost as unsafe as that glass roof turned out to be. <laughs> I do, I do think there's props something... Props for trying. Okay, so, like, the CGI is not great. Yeah, it, 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 I, it's like I said, props for trying. Yeah, there's something, um, really good about the framing of that one shot, though, that, like, obviously, you know, we have the synopsis, but to be fair, like, I barely remember the synopsis even after this and everything. I've said, even after watching the episode, I don't remember seeing this episode. I'm sure I have, but I don't remember seeing it. Just from... Them coming out into this abandoned, this abandoned town, this ghost town, Teal getting stung, and then a huge, like, swarm, like, so many bugs coming up out of the buildings and, like, starting to sweep down on him. I immediately was like, those all used to be people. And there's something in, like, the framing of, like, just the directing of, like, the shot and just, like, the order of events that you can already start to think about that if you've got, like, the sci-fi... Yeah background kind of Okay, stuff, cool. You know? I'm, so, I'm so glad you, you had that sentence at the end there, because I was going to say, not to sound like I'm undercutting you or something, but yeah, that's definitely um, something that is a visual cliche from other episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, you've got to have that, that sci-fi background. Yeah. But it's, uh... I don't disagree with you. I, I could definitely get that impression. Um, but yeah, so they all run back through. And I love how as soon as they tumble through, they're like, close the gate! Close the gate! <laughs> It was the kind of panic I imagined you yelling. <laughs> and they're like watching the gate the whole time before it closes, like, please, please don't get through. Right? It's funny that you said that, though, because um, my, my note for that was Jack's reaction here is completely acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he says those are bugs, sir. Big, ugly bugs. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, that entire reaction, all of the steps of his reacting there is entirely acceptable. Yeah. In medical, Teal'c is uh, visibly in pain, and the goal doesn't seem to be helping much, and Teal'c says it's actually uh, getting worse. I will say, they could have done a little bit better with clarifying his dialogue here, because oh, they could have clarified in a this lot. scene, before we get more stuff later on, it almost sounds like he's insinuating that the larva is making it worse, which is not what he's saying. I didn't get that, but I can totally see that now that you said say that. So yeah, it's an extra. Yeah, yeah, it could have been better framed. Uh, My issue with it was when she's, as you said, he's visibly in pain, and she pulls back his shirt to inspect the wound, right? Or pulls back the bandage, whatever she pulls back. She pulls back something to inspect the wound. And this thing is, you know, like, what, the size of your hand? Yeah. Your hand, your tiny hand. I was going to say my palm. My my little hand. My palm. My palm. Your average palm. For an average adult human unlike somebody who is somehow my height and yet has dainty little feet and hands like a princess anyway so it's the size of a palm and uh on top of that it's 
super discolored, super <laughs> obviously like infected. Like I'm, it looks like if you poke that thing, it's just going to explode. Okay, gore, uh, not gore. Uh, you know, quiz warning. Yeah. God, I should, should do a quiz warning for this whole episode, but quiz warning. It looks like if you poke it, it's about to go like explode with pus. Uh, um, and it's you know, and then like I said, it has a huge big red spot that looks like the you know single sting or you know spot. So here's what kills me. She looks at this thing. You get a full gl- you know good look at it, and she goes, "It looks like some kind of reaction." To which I scared the shit out of Eric <laughs> next to me when he was playing his game because I went, "Jesus fucking Christ! You don't say." <laughs> Yeah, doctor of the year going, right here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, oh God. obviously these must be her qualifications for this uh, position is her extreme Captain Obvious skills. That's what I said. This, there's a few of these lines peppered throughout the fucking episode where it's like, really? Thank you. I, I wasn't sure. Okay, I'm glad you said that because, you know, my skin looks like that every day and that's just, you know, like I said uh, last episode a bunch of times, that's just Tuesday for me. So, cool. I will cool. say... And I'm not, I'm not saying this is what was happening, but I'm saying that I have heard of this happening in other shows before. Uh, it could be an issue of uh, the communication between uh, costuming, makeup, whatever, and the script just not lining up. That is acceptable. This has happened before where they have stuff written where it should be looking a certain way and then right. either makeup goes too far or not far Something enough. Something happens. Yeah, no, that's completely, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can totally agree with that, but that, that then, I guess, just kind of shifts my issue, I guess, onto the director a bit, because it's his job to notice this shit the day of filming and to do on-set corrections accordingly. Like, for example, just making it so that she doesn't say that line, maybe. It's not like they don't have the capacity to do some alterations, and directors definitely have the ability to allow or disallow improving um accordingly oh god on that note do not let me forget to tell you about the ending scene because it turns out it was uh improved and it's great i'm not shocked it's improved at all by michael right. shanks's reaction i was exactly. like that's michael shanks again that's not daniel yeah. that's michael yeah, shanks exactly <laughs> i had to look it up because christopher judge clearly starts to smile and i was like okay was he supposed to spray him and i looked it up on the <laughs> trivia and nope and this tracks with what we know about Christopher Judge. Yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be empty, and he had filled it uh, prior to the shot without Michael Shanks' knowing. <laughs> and kudos to him, because he really does a great job of staying in character and falling through. And that honestly, that excellent acting at the end where he starts waka 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 on the shirt, the wet yes. shirt, you know, going ba 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 That was, that, that, that means it was all improv and that's really <laughs> awesome. But here's the thing, so that, that proves the director knows how to, like, use a shot that, you know, wasn't whatever yeah. was exactly on the page. So... It's a little annoying to me that he was, you know, not a doofus, but not that I'm not going to say he was a doofus for, you know, fucking up this one tiny little thing Mm -hmm. in the beginning. But it's still kind of a weird thing to not, you know, edit day of there. I just, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. I hate that I keep saying like it it seems like I don't want to sound like I keep making excuses, but I do have to point out that like you're not making excuses. You're being you. The infection (laughs) shot could have been shot at a completely different, like, that's a, that wasn't in the same scene. Like, that, the, the, the shot of the back with the, the, the sting could have been shot a completely different week, could have been shot with a completely different yeah. person. Yeah. Those are, like, insert shots. Those don't necessarily track at all with what they're doing when they're doing the dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I uh, because it stands out so much to me, honestly, in, in its atrocity, I, I don't know necessarily if you've persuaded me with logic or with <laughs> just 
enough of me is like, dude, yes, I want that to be true. Um, I yeah, mean, I, I, the I'm only reason I'm that. even, that, like, that works. pushing for this at all is the fact that and I, I wish I could remember what show... You know what? It was Psych. It was definitely Psych. Because that's the show I watch all the audio commentaries for. But I can't remember the episode. But I remember them talking the audio commentaries distinctly about the fact that, like, they had a certain idea about what uh, an injury or something would look like in the script. Right. And then what they got back from makeup just, like, completely ruined the, the point of their... Their, their dialogue, but they just went with it, you know, because they had to. I can never remember if I, what I've left in and what I haven't, because obviously I hear it all, bonus content yeah. or otherwise, um, but I, I remember mentioning to you at least once that recently I was watching an episode of DS9 where uh, Kira gets encased in this crystal thing, and this is like almost... You know, this is a, you know, a, bit, a bit of a paraphrase from what I had read on the Wikipedia article, like her Nana Visitor's direct quote saying, we had envisioned it as my body like being encased in crystal and kind of turning into this crystal. And what I ended up looking like was my head being a cherry on a Sunday. Oh no. Because <laughs> it ended up looking like this piece of shit foam thing growing into the shape of a crystal around her. And by the end, her head's the only thing left. And yet... It's it. She's not wrong. That's actually a very apt description. It does not look good. It it does not. It looks like an ice cream cone. That's unfortunate. It, exactly. It's very unfortunate. Her acting is amazing, but you know, yeah, it's kind of undercut by the. Sometimes you just have uh, to go yeah. with it. You just have to do it. So yeah, I, I, obviously, I understand what you're saying. I love that even when we're like quote unquote arguing or whatever, we're just kind of like, listen. Well, like I get your point, but there's also this concept to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, she lets everyone know that it seems to be a viral infection, uh, that Teal'c's blood sample is showing signs of DNA that isn't his own. Uh, so I do like that when she says this about the DNA, so like, uh, the sample showing DNA that's not his, we do get another scene of, uh, Daniel Jack doing, talking, asking the same thing at the same time, but they're like slightly discordant, like they're saying it at different rates. I actually really like that. Because so often we get where they say the same thing at the same time at the same pace. But I like that this one, they're both kind of like, what does that mean? But they yeah. say it at different rates, so they like start and end. I like it. They were showing exactly why they fit as a couple. <laughs> I, I know I spent a lot of last episode talking about how much I ship Jack and Sam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When I originally was watching these episodes, this is the first time I've watched it where I've paid attention and been old enough to understand that that Jack and Daniel are the true couple of this show. <laughs> I mean, think about episode 200 with the the fake wedding scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and like, I do, sh I do still ship J uh, Sam and Jack, but I, I also, I, I'm also not gonna lie. I, I kind of. I kind of shift Jack and Daniel a little bit here. And I always kind of was jokingly on this last train because obviously I was aware of it as a concept. But this was the episode that finally, today, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, oh, oh, that's chemistry right there. Okay, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how, like, because, again, this isn't the first time they said the same thing at the same time. It's yeah. not even the third time they've said the same thing at the same time. It's weird how much more, like, natural and insinuating it is when they say the same thing at the same time at a slightly different pace. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like you said, that discordant aspect of it. 
what led into my thing about them being like the perfect um, puzzle pieces for each other. Is they're just yeah. slightly off, but they fit exactly right, and they still make a perfect, complete picture. Which I think is honestly a really good, uh, I don't know if it's just directing or if it's a combo writing and directing, but just a really good choice there to have them... Or even maybe it's just the actor's true decisions. But either way, I think it's, that that was a really... You know what it is, Mel? It is uh, further proof of your thing that you said about that crappy, looks like a reaction scene being a post-production element. <laughs> because <laughs> this honestly is more indicative of good direct- directing. Good, yeah. good, good choices being well, made. I mean, David Ware Smith tends to mostly show like interesting ideas for directing shots and everything, so... Yeah, so Sam winds up recommending a doctor, uh, Harrow. Is that was that his name? Harrow. Harlow. 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 That took me a second. Right? Yeah. So, um, because the thing is, my note on here, my only note is there are some who call me Tim, <laughs> because his name is Timothy Harlow. Yeah, but I think Harlow. his name is Harlow. Yeah, it's uh, Timothy she recommends Harlow. a doctor Harlow who okay uh, could mm. easily be um you know read into the the clearance that he would need for this and everything yeah okay 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 i gotta stop you here for a second yeah. i gotta i gotta take over this this train yeah. for, no, for I a just rage to moment lead, this i was yeah. leading you into this no, this is what you wanted this. to talk about no, i was just beautiful. getting you to that she recommends dude go <laughs> Usually, you know, up till now I've been saying it's not that, you know, it's, it's not that bad. This is just bad, okay? This is just dumb. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I'll say it, and who knows? Maybe you'll, you'll fix it for me. <laughs> but it's not that this guy is one of the world's leading geneticists. It's not that he would be working at the Pentagon. This actually is a great moment to acknowledge last episode for setting up a tiny bit of continuity where she, where she said, these are my old stomping grounds. I made a joke about how that was a meta moment for her maybe being from Canada. No, I think it was actually meant to be an anchor for this, which was, now it's not just out of nowhere that she was at the Pentagon. Hmm. So that, that that's fine. It's not that they were at the Pentagon. It's not even at the, that they were at the Pentagon at the same time. Experts would be at the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that an astrophysicist and one of the world's top geneticists happened to be working in close enough quarters where she was it's not even that she was able to remember him i'm sorry but i feel like this if this was like somebody you knew of this would take more than a second to think of this was like an instinct this was an immediate thing which tells me that they were like i'm not saying that they were like best friends or whatever but it seems like they worked in close enough quarters that this guy's name came to mind immediately and completely enough that she knew off the top of her head Granted, I know it's because of the Pentagon, so this part probably isn't as much of a meh, but she remember that he still had top-secret clearance. So it's obviously just a bit of convenience, because otherwise they'd have to get an expert in here and take yeah. an episode time on that. I'm, it's mostly just the, oh, of, of course, of course she just happened to work with and happens to be on a first-name basis with one of the world's leading geneticists. She, an astrophysicist, because, you know... Those two would definitely be... This is like a linguist working at Deep Space Telemetry. I'm like, um... <laughs> so, but he does. <laughs> right? So, again, the only downside to this is I actually did... At, at the very end, I realized the only thing that could possibly make sense to me is... I feel like it was being emphasized throughout this, and I'm just oblivious because I don't get subtext sometimes. But I feel like it was emphasized, and you're probably going to laugh at me because you probably noticed this really fast, that they used to fuck. Yeah, it seemed that way. She seemed really betrayed. <laughs> right? Okay. That was what it was, is that they... When also, she, was like she a has young, daddy issues. Exactly. When she was a young... Well, to be fair, even when you don't have daddy issues, there's something to be said when you're younger also, and you want, like, like, that experience like older, from an older gentleman. You know, confident man. It was like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. That, that, that probably didn't help. <laughs> but I realized at the end, I was like, oh, shit, he's trying to get in her pants. Oh, shit, he probably already got in her pants. Oh, yeah. shit, that explains everything. And so it's like, okay, it's less annoying, I guess. But still, the chances of her just happening to be ex-fuck buddies with one of the world's <laughs> leading geneticists is, you know, I again, just calling out the as not egregious as it might be, it's still convenient. <laughs> No, no, you're, I, I won't even argue with you on this. I won't argue on, with you on both points. They did probably used to fuck, but it is convenient. I won't argue with you on that one. <laughs> convenient fucking is convenient. I mean, I don't think any fucking is convenient, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like how my next note, by the way, shows that this episode was still not terrible to me yet, because my note here is, this is when I realized, yay, Robert C. Cooper was the writer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have uh, issues yet. <laughs> I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't have egregious issues yet. So, let's see, sorry. So, they, Hammond basically greenlights it immediately, like, yes, get him in. <laughs> because Teal'c is one of his people, and he needs to protect Teal'c, he needs to get Teal'c fixed up. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely no flaw in how Hammond goes, he'll be read in by the end of the day or something. Like, mm-hmm. he, he was yes. instantaneous. Get him he was sent in, that. like, immediately. By the time the doctor gets there, the blood sample that Janet had originally pulled that showed DNA, some DNA that wasn't Teal'c's, only shows DNA that isn't Teal'c's. Like, there's none of Teal'c's yeah. DNA left in that sample at this point. Yay! Um, and they, they point out that the bite is probably rewiring, rewriting Teal'c's DNA, and that his gold is the only thing delaying it at this point. That it'd be going much faster if he didn't have the larva in him. And then we get a nice little scene where they keep building on the fact, especially after um, Message in a Bottle, the scene where it was basically the opposite. Now we've got a nice scene where Teal'c's hurting and Jack's the one, like, holding vigil with him and everything. And I like that because David Ware Smith also directed Message in a Bottle. So I just like that little that little parallel there where now it's the opposite end. Yeah, it, it touches on something we were mentioning. This helps that I just finished editing our motherfucking massive episode um, <laughs> that we recorded last week. But so I finally finished it last night. And granted, we were alternately um, praising it for some writers and dissing it in others. But we were talking about how writers that write multiple episodes can establish continuity for themselves mm-hmm. and it's nice when they do so yeah good for him absolutely i mean i don't did robert c cooper write message in a bottle too i, I can't remember don't know. Look, i'll look it up no he was not involved in message in a bottle at all david Wary smith is the only through line on those two so yeah good for him on that it's a really nice scene where teal's basically like yo i've never been sick before this sucks <laughs> yeah right my favorite part about it is it's funny that I say, I say favorite because you would think that I mostly just loathe um, cliches and tropes. Uh-huh. It, it's not that I don't. It's just that I, the ones that I loathe are the ones that, for me, are overplayed and because they don't have any special significance to me for any any particular reason, they're, they are therefore unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll have ones that are, you know, are running ones, but because I don't, you know, because I like them for some reason, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all of a sudden it gets passed. But yeah, of I actually, Strange. Beyond that, I also have acknowledged the necessity of cliches because some things just have to happen, you know, like no matter what, when you have a person who's the person who looks at like the radar screen and you have a general who is, their job is not to look at a radar screen. The radar screen reader is the person who's going to have to say, you need to look at this. Mm-hmm. 
So you you need to look at this cliche has become a massive thing. No matter how you write it, it's always going to be a you you need to look at this cliche because that always needs to happen. And you unless you rewrite the scene, I feel like not everyone's job is. I feel like you know you're allowed to write a good story without having to I don't know Stanley Kubrick yourself into um, insanity with uh, the extra tiny details all the time. You know. (laughs) But on that, this scene is a good cliche use, I think, because it's kind of like that radar screen thing where it's it just makes sense. To have when you, especially when you have uh, two characters, two warrior types. I say warrior in like quotes because it's like a title. You know, you have your warrior type, and yeah. when they have been established as that, which definitely with Tilk and Jack, we've definitely talked on how that is a dynamic for them. Mm-hmm. You have the warrior who is weak asking the other warrior to not let them go out like this, basically. Yeah, you know, like if I get too weak, please kill me. And I love. This is a great part of the episode because I love the, their take on it. Up until now, my favorite has always been from Farscape. Aaron has a, you know, has a physical malady, seems to be dying and doesn't want to, she's a, you know, she is a, a warrior and she doesn't want to go out on machines, you know, doesn't want to have it prolonged. She would rather have it be clean and efficient like, like her. <laughs> so she asks her other warrior type, that same fucking thing. And it's uh-huh. up until now, I've always loved her because it was, I don't know. I don't, one day when we get there, you'll see why it's just very well done. I think it might be tied now, honestly, because that's like the one super standout for me in this episode is Teal'c's quiet, no nonsense way of speaking extra emphasized by his forced quietness of sick. Yeah. And Jack's, he's not happy about it. He does kind of like hesitate a little bit as he, you know, quietly for a moment ponders it, but his, no-nonsense response acquiescences. I very much enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, I also, like, even before he basically says, hey, I don't want to go out like this, if there's no hope, kill me. Uh, But I do like that, you know, after he makes the whole point about, you know, I've been hurt before, but I've never been sick. And Joe's like, yeah, no one likes it. And then he says, I'm also feeling something else. And then Jack goes... So basically, like, yeah, it it's okay to be scared right now, Teal. And that was just a really good exchange yeah. of dialogue. That was a really good... I felt secondhand emotional vulnerability from that, so I was very uncomfortable. Right, right. But um, that just speaks to how good it was. But yeah, and then, of course, to cap off this beautiful moment, fucking Mayborn has to show up. God, motherfucking Mayborn, who must have literally just, not that it's not believable, but he just must have been waiting in the fucking wings for, just for the instant mm-hmm. moment of weakness. He swoops in like the shitty vulture that he is. God. He's a yeah, buzzer. He's a fucking buzzer. One sees the bugs as a biological weapon. This uh, this one I'm not going to look up right now because I feel like it's not going to be an easy, quick <laughs> thing, but I swear that bio-warfare is against the Geneva Convention, which the U.S. is definitely a participant in. I mean, it probably is, but do you think the NID cares? I'd like to think so. <laughs> they would probably claim... Okay, here's what the NID would claim. The NID would claim that it's all only to be used against the gold. Oh, and if accidentally something gets out and it winds up targeting someone on Earth that's against well, the no, U.S.? I'm not oh, talking whoops. about CIA bullshit. Whoops. Of course, of course, you know, shitty individuals will always want that. I just figured that somewhere in the checks and balances system, not that MKUltra is a good example of this because it really, really, really isn't. It, that was an <laughs> example of too many working pieces to possibly work. Um, yeah. It wasn't like somebody actually really, I, I, from what I remember, I don't feel like people actually really stopped MKUltra so much as that it fell apart and they had to you know, shred and run. Um, but 
so not that's a good example, but you know, that did get stopped, you know, uh, it was immediate shutdown, not just because obviously it was fucking wrong, but th there are people in charge of the government places, and their job is to make sure that we don't, you know, violate the Geneva Convention, so that no matter what the CEO of Hatred Incorporated wants to do, so on, so on. I just assumed. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with this outcome, I just feel like I had a different interpretation of how casual someone would be to, to uh, literally just espousing Oh yeah, we're gonna make a bioweapon. <laughs> I mean, again, and, and I shouldn't be complaining because literally a couple scenes later, speaking of Geneva Convention, he literally drags out a prisoner, which means that he's going to be experimenting on a prisoner of war, which is hella against the oh, Geneva yeah. Convention. But so. Teal'c's not a human, so it doesn't apply to him. You know, I, I definitely don't think that fucking matters. <laughs> uh, they already used that excuse last time. No, I know. It's a very... To it's a, it does. It's a very loved, <laughs> it's a very loved thing in any kind of sci-fi that involves... Hell, that episode I vaguely mentioned a couple times where Data gets assessed for sapience, or as they put mm -hmm. it, sentience. Yeah. It's it's because a guy wants to experiment on him, and Data's like, nah, I don't, I read your research, I don't think you're ready for it, and I don't want you to damage my brain. He goes, well, I'm gonna do it anyway, I'm ordering you to, and he goes, well, fuck you, I'm gonna resign. And then Starfleet's like, actually, turns out you can't resign, because we found you on a planet, and we just, turns out up until now, we've just been kind of letting you think you're a Starfleet officer, you're actually our property. Oh, fuck And them. you can't leave. And that's when he's like, okay, well, I, I'm not property, I'm, I'm sapient. And that's why that whole episode happens. It's a trial to prove it. It's mostly just meant to be, you know, obviously, your moral questioning episode. Yeah. But, but every, you know, not every, but a, a lot of sci-fi, not, not just sci-fi, obviously, but a lot of sci-fi will touch on in this kind of element with, you know, the alien aspect. And it's never not, you know, obviously it's always disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it's meant to be, it's meant to, it's, it's meant to be disgusting. You're, you, the audience, are supposed to be like, look. But the problem is, is every time you do this, it's kind of like when, this is always what jumps to mind, Eric's always like, yes, babe, I know. But when we rewatch um, Ad Infinitum, we watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and yeah. there's always a, or one of the earlier seasons where the Vulture character is introduced. Speaking of Vultures, <laughs> the Vulture is introduced, <laughs> and he comes out at one point, and he says, stay foxy to Santiago, and granted, her response of die lonely is amazing, but I always just start screaming at the, at the TV, that was in public, call HR, this isn't a problem anymore, he's gone, Jesus, like, because he does it a few times, where it's, it's meant to be that, so you hate him because of his casual sexual harassment, except the fact is he does it to superior officers, he does it in front of witnesses, and all I can think is, this actually defies logic a little bit, because this is so many fucking HR, this is too much HR, not even the Vatican, could hide this many HR reports. <laughs> so, yeah. This kind of thing is where it's meant to make you hate Mayborn. I, I get that, but unfortunately it kind of undermines itself just in the nature of its heinousness because at some point there would be a bit of a... Uh, in, in real life, there would at some point be a check to stop this. <laughs> Granted, that real life check is the fact that the NID doesn't actually exist, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the check. That's... We got rid of them before they could happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do like that when he makes the whole point about using the bugs as biological weapon, Jack just, with Mayborn in the room, just casually, generally Hammond requests permission to beat the crap out of this man. God, seriously, mmm, this, okay, yeah, this, this, this has to prove the thing with that being a post-production issue with, with that infection scene, mm -hmm. because... These elements are really good. This is a good episode in terms of dialogue and um, mm -hmm. character interaction. Crappy. The dialogue aside, in this, this, this episode good. is really good for the most part. Um, Shitty premise, still a good like episode. Like even 
like, even the way they, they later on use, like, Teal's, you know, being an alien and not knowing, like, phrases, he's being introduced to completely new phrases because he's being introduced to a completely new person who was using new things. So, and also he's sick, so he's slower. Right. So, like, these moments later on, it's like, yeah, I completely buy it. He'd be like, what does this mean? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. But yeah, that, that line, I was like, I have to write this down. I was so excited writing it down that I spelled General Jenner Law. Jenner Law Hammond. <laughs> nice. Now, I just, I love this because, this was, this was actually, I, I'm laughing mostly just because this was the point where, when I was watching the episode, I realized I had been uh, narrating uh, semi-out loud for yeah. Eric, whether he wanted it or not. So, <laughs> I had my headphones on, so up until this point, I thought it was an optional thing for him, but nope. Uh, so this is where it actually became optional for him. <laughs> but I was, because I, I too had to write it down. That then yeah. he, that line, because Mayborn is again, it's meant to be creepy. It's achieved very well with that really yeah. terrifying line where he says, "I'll have to thank him personally." Uh-huh. It's just so fucking creepy, but it's great because it's only matched by the just epicness of Jack's comeback. Yes! And I do like that as soon as he says that, you can see Mayborn being, like, looking at General Hammond like, tell him no. Tell him no. <laughs> I love that Hammond's face is kind of like, permission granted. <laughs> yeah, Hammond's thinking about it. <laughs> and I, I do love how, you're exactly right there, where Mayborn was looking over at Hammond and saying, tell him no. And while <laughs> Hammond didn't say yes, he definitely didn't say no. No, I didn't. <laughs> That's what I love, is that that's 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 good writing right there. But I do like that Sam immediately knows where the information to NID had to have come from. She's like, it obviously didn't come from us, so it had to come from the guy we just read in. And she's mad and betrayed that he, you know, told that the doctor that they that she suggested that they call in to help Teal'c sold them out to Mayborn. <laughs> I, I I like this guy's storyline in this episode. Really? Because I feel like this is, yeah, I, I, I'm sure him was no, probably- I, I'm genuinely curious. That wasn't meant to be, I like be a dick, sorry. I like introduced <laughs> in this because we, so far, have only seen NID and Mayborn from SGC's point of view, where it's very black and white. Okay. Where they're very, they're immediately opposed to any anytime NID is brought up, anytime Mayborn shows up, no, he's evil, get him out. But oh, okay, not oh, sorry, everyone I see where going. is going to have that. First of all, they're not going to have the experience with NID that SGC has. Right. They're not going to have the investment against what a, what NID is doing that SGC has. That's actually a very good point. So I like the fact that he's in here to be that gray line where he's like, yeah. he doesn't see the black and white of bringing in NID is a bad decision. He's looking at the fact that NID has the kind of equipment where I might be able to solve this quicker. You guys are not equipped for this. You are a base under a mountain that is built for like alien incursion explorations but yeah no i just i thought him showing up because of the, i think because of the fact that sam just showed that ultimate betrayal right away for him you know telling mayborn or telling nid about what was going on and the fact that he didn't really understand how this was a betrayal because he's like no i'm doing what i think is best medically because he doesn't have that black and white view of nid he hasn't had any bad experiences experiences with an ID yet. No, I um really uh, appreciate that uh, viewpoint because I hadn't thought of that. So I really like that. You're 
really definitely onto something. If you're not right, then you should be. As in, if it's something <laughs> else, then, you know, they did it wrong, from my perspective. But, no, I just, that's that's really good, because it helps me, honestly, realize this was on, uh, I, I had already kind of figured just earlier, you know, by someone saying that I had probably missed some subtext, I'd already figured that this was one of the scenes I had missed some subtext in. Mm-hmm. Your thing was helping me also realize that I was... Not, sorry, you're helping me realize what just what the uh, subtext was for me there was that's when you said the um, immediate betrayal on her face that shows that she was obviously this had to be when she was younger yeah and not that and she wasn't really that old when this episode the show started so I was thinking like you know early 20s she was pretty brilliant I could god damn it I smacked the thing anyway um she's pretty brilliant so I she is pretty brilliant I could see her being a, a young hire to the yeah. <laughs> to the Pentagon mm-hmm. so my impression is that she was this was one of her first like you know experienced kind of relationships with this guy so she had mm-hmm. up until this point a very kind of like rose-tinted impression of him just based yeah. on the uh, nature of their relationship as it had to have been back then with him being much older than her and so on and so on oh, I don't yeah. think any of that was like unhealthy I'm not going into anything gross or anything there but that definitely is what I'm thinking is what the subtext kind of was there about their relationship thanks to you <laughs> because you're right honestly my only note was and they're friends again how because it seems like he she shouldn't be the surprise by him and now it's all coming together for me all yeah, the pieces like, are there thank you and I, I do feel like that's enforced by the end of the episode where by the end of the episode he has realized oh yeah nid sucks i agree with you guys <laughs> like he's completely siding with sgc at the end yeah no night I'm I'm slowly coming around to the fact that maybe my impression of Timmy wasn't as accurate as it should have been. Like I kind of just <laughs> didn't really care for him whatsoever at the end. I was like, oh, cool, whatever. Not not that, by the way. You know, it's not that it's not still going to be a questionable uh, last minute change of ethics <laughs> when it comes no, no, around. Yeah. But, but I had definitely let that color my interpretation of him a little bit more. Now it's it's swinging back towards. Uh, yeah, he might actually not be a terrible element of this episode. He might actually be part of uh, the good crafting. <laughs> yeah, because we'll see what do you know? um, later on in, in a scene very soon where he gets that one real big moment of realization where he's like, oh, this man is the devil, like SGC's been trying to tell me <laughs> yeah. about Mayborn. I'm just really happy this is uh, reinforcing, after all, to me that uh, Robert C. Cooper is a good writer. <laughs> I'm glad. Because again, potential was, yeah, was, shitty MacGuffin like, aside. Yeah, it's not a perfect episode, but Liz, you sound like you didn't like this episode. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really care for it. And once we finally get out of our initial thing we always do where we spend the first half really getting into it and then the last half going, God, this is going long. I want to be done. Let's move on. And actually <laughs> getting through shit. So once we get to like you know that part... Um, I'm sure it'll become a lot more evident why I don't care for this episode. It's mostly just to do with the fact that it's a, it's just, it's a shitty premise. I'm sorry. I just, I don't care for the bug stinging thing. It's, it's, it's a requisite episode. It's not that it's shitty, I guess. It's just that it's more like when I Love Rock and Roll comes on the radio. I don't really hate the song, but it's so played that I, I tend to turn it off these days. Uh-huh. It's, like, it's like, yeah, I, if I want to listen to it, I'll, I'll come to you. Okay. Don't, no, no, don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. I don't know, I guess it doesn't have anything that stands out to me of why it's cool, and I don't care for the uh, whole insect gold bloom, you know, I never cared for that horror element to begin with as a horror style, so yeah. it's, it's not like it's as bad as gore porn, it's just, it's just not my favorite. So yeah, I don't have anything that really attaches me to this kind of crap, so it's not a filler episode that I'm like, yeah, but, like, I don't know, like the time travel or montage episodes, those are pretty crappy oh, no, filler no. episodes <laughs> in terms of, you know, quality, But and yet I praise them. Unlike this one. So, obviously, it speaks to, you know, personal well, taste. 
at the end of the day, there's like tropes that we enjoy and tropes we don't exactly. enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I was saying that earlier. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, I don't like this episode, but it's not really that I don't like the episode. It's just that it's like, okay, cool, it's a bug episode, woo. But I definitely was able to notice all of the moments that I felt were really strong in this episode. I noticed a couple, but thankfully you're here to point out the ones I clearly missed. <laughs> there we go, that's what it is. Well, to be, to be fair, I also don't have any distractions when I'm watching the episode, which you have a few. Oh, I, I, I like that you gave me this out. I, I feel like this one just fell into a couple of my uh, already uh, aforementioned blind spots. So sometimes the subtext for me, for some reason, you pick up. It's ironic the ones you pick up on that I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense. It's just, you know, a, a romantic. So yeah, <laughs> so it's, just, it's, it's just you know it's this episode the things that I missed so far, thankfully fall into already pers- uh just they happen to be those happen to be my blind spots which is I don't like convenience so I tend to get a little bit instant I go into instant affront mode yeah and don't always question why and I'll get there like I said like I got to the at the end of the episode it occurred to me why this guy was around but for the majority of the episode I spent about 40 minutes going yeah cool so, still really happy about the astrophysicist and the gen- geneticist somehow being casual friends uh-huh uh-huh because you know logic like I said I was like I, I, I thank you for the out but honestly how do they do distraction distraction so far or anyway mostly just like oh yeah no that's just not where my brain goes so yeah <laughs> I mean, we've said before, we tend to consume media in a different method. Yeah, so I'm not complaining. I'm just happy. So, yeah. Yeah, Um, This is just a positive thing. (laughs) But yeah, it sucks, though, because uh, they moved Teal'c out of the uh, mountain in a hazmat suit and cuffs. Yeah, the hazmat suit makes sense. The full-on chains, of course. I like how they try to call it out, as in, like, literally, Jack goes, and the chains are necessary... And Mayborn says yes, and that's kind of like it. And I'm like, sorry, but that Mayborn line doesn't really do anything to actually explain the chains. Your attempt at lampshading or whatever doesn't exactly. But I feel like that one is it's a it's an it's it's not a point in the episode that like you know makes or breaks it. So I, I can move on pretty quick from it. But it mm-hmm. does kind of like it does still warrant me just going. I I see what you tried to do there, but that doesn't actually explain the chains. And again, maybe maybe it's just the element of they're trying to have the unspoken feel of him being a you know a corrupted power type, you know, Stanford uh, experiment type, you know. (laughs) Also xenophobic. Yeah, exactly. Just trust Teal at all. And it could just be Teal to be on their side from the beginning. Um, I do want to make a point at this point that there's been a couple references by now to trying to get Hammond to call in the president to stop Mayborn. Yeah. And he's not reachable. Yeah, he's must be he must be golfing. (laughs) <laughs> I actually, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, did Mayborn figure out some way to institute a distraction for the president? Snuck into the Oval Office and unplugged the red phone. Something. I wouldn't the put president's it past like, him. wow, this like, thing hasn't oh, run in days. chance to get a hold of Teal finally, but Hammond is buddies with the president, so I have to try and keep the president distracted long enough that I can get in and get out before before Hammond can call him and cancel it, you know, something. What year was this? 99? Who, who was in office in 99? So. Cl- Cl- was Clinton still in office in 99? Probably. That Bush? Or was he it was Bush? He was a 90s president, No, no, right? no, 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 I think 99. Oh, that was... might have been Bush by then? Yeah, because Bush was president in 01 for 9-11. Yeah. Which is only two years off. God, remember back in the days when this used to be, like, just a mostly stupid idiot was president? 
<laughs> yeah, I remember when people used to be like, right. yeah, this was our stupidest president, and now we elected Trump. Yeah, it, it, it just, but depending on who was president, I feel like you could have just, like, honestly tossed, like, a, like a, like a chew toy, squeaky toy. Just like, <laughs> What's that, Mr. President? Just unplugged the red phone. Oh, sorry, must have been a squeaking, must have been a mouse problem. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so they lead him out, and uh, I did make a note that I'm like, are they driving out in a, a painted USPS truck? What is this? <laughs> so they're driving out, and uh, the doctor starts talking to Teal'c about uh, different things they can try to delay his changes and, like, you know, stop it from happening. And Mayborn basically says, oh, no, 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 we're gonna let this change go all the way through. And that is the moment where the doctor goes, oh, this guy is the goddamn devil. <laughs> yeah, I like how, like, for a second, his face goes into, this is mostly just a credit to the actor um, and to the maybe potential, like, content of the character. Mm-hmm. But if it's, like, a mini fleshing out moment, I like it because it kind of seems like he did, he does go into, like, holy shit territory, like, the bad guy yeah. holy shit territory. But for, like, a second, he does kind of seem to go through facially through the, uh, Inter- no, no. <laughs> it seems like he's, he's a scientist, scientist exactly, but he's like, exactly. no, this is wrong, yeah, this is Not a like person. in an evil way, but just like in a, you know, like that, that morally potentially questionable kind of way. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to tell me that, yeah, it really is believable that somebody would be that stupid, but I just can't <laughs> believe that somebody would be that stupid. You don't even know what it's going to turn into. You do know this is a result of being stung and that he's turning into something else. It is literally so completely in the realm of possibility that he could be turning into, I don't know, the thing that stung him. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like, he could be like emitting, you haven't even hazmat suit, so you know that he might be like emitting spores or some shit. So fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So stupid. So, 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 so stupid. Oh no, Midborn is that stupid. I 100% believe it. But I do kind of like the idea that if Mayborn had gotten his way, our planet would have been wiped out. And I hope SGC uh, lets someone know that. <laughs> like, hey, you know what Mayborn was planning? If he'd gotten his way, we wouldn't have a planet anymore in a month. Uh, so while they're in the truck driving away, uh, Teal'c has a really violent reaction to the change and, like, just lashes out and knocks everyone out, reaches through the grate to the driver in the front and grabs him and crashes the truck. So I I, I was smoking. So I was heavily into <laughs> sour pebbles at that point. Uh, it's like 90-something percent sativa. So it could just be because of the sour pebbles that I didn't mm-hmm. have as much of a problem with this. But can I just take a moment to to praise Christopher Judge for somehow not seeming to fall into the over-shitty acting with the violent shaking and the sickness and everything. Everyone oh, no, he was doing a good job. It. That wasn't it's just... It's kind of hard to not overplay it, yet somehow <laughs> he did. Like, he, for the, like it's, it's it's really not even, like, a uh, criticism to most actors, because, like, some lines and some things are just really hard to not yeah. have look overdone, you know? So... Yeah, but he, he really, I don't know, it just, it, it's not like it looked natural or anything. It just it didn't look shitty. I was, I don't know, but that particular scene in the in the truck really emphasized to me. I was like, wow, I feel like I should be complaining by now about his overacting, but huh. <laughs> but no, he does a good job in this. It like, feels uh, like it anyway. Christopher Judge is, is not any of the weak points of this episode. Uh, so uh, we cut back to SGC for a minute where um, we're in a briefing where Sam is talking about how there might be worthwhile tech on the planet. And Jack is just like, uh, no, <laughs> we're, we're not going back there. You're kidding, right? We're not going back there. I don't care what kind of tech they have. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jack, for once again being the line of common sense in the sand that the scientist does not necessarily have. Because <laughs> she's yeah. just thinking about the positive, and she's like, oh, the bugs are like, you know, she's, I don't think she's really even considering the bugs. She's just like, there's all that technology there. Yeah. Again, I, I, could, I could see that. It's like somebody telling me that the Library of Alexandria, like, somehow wasn't burned down. It's actually just on this planet. And I'm like, oh, cool, so let's go get it. And everyone's right. like, yeah, but there's, like, literal demon dragonflies. Or hell, my worst enemy, demon demon spiders. I'm like, right. Like a flamethrower. <laughs> but guns <laughs> or something. Like, I just, yeah. like, I would just be stuck in the moment of, yeah, but but library. No, I, I have to agree with you. So I love that. Jack for being the line of common sense. <laughs> so Hammett interrupts the briefing to say that the truck driver uh, sent them a, a warning of some kind. Was able to get off some sort of alarm before he got knocked unconscious in the crash yeah oh shit i forgot to say as part of that scene though as part of jack being the you know common sense he's yeah. not like don't don't get me wrong but he wasn't uh, being calm about it and again with the completely acceptable reaction i really do like how he makes sure to emphasize the hammond though that he's like through his you know not calm that it's like no 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 don't let her make you make it make it seem like this is something that's doable big fucking bugs <laughs> no i appreciate how loud he is every time about these bugs it's so funny he's just like he's not it's, letting this even he's just float not had that idea <laughs> yeah like no 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 sir 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 no library just bugs big no, I appreciate fucking it. bugs <laughs> it's it's very jack and very helpful uh so back at the truck we see teal pull his larva out I could totally yeah. see it being an instinctive thing um, as both an element of the transformation process to remove the extra element alien thing. And also Teal thinks this will help him die sooner. Exactly. Whatever, there's a lot of reasons why it would make sense. I just, mm -hmm. I've never, that not that I can think of at this moment anyway, I've never really been in a situation where I've had anything of that type of nature where like the second it becomes... Like, I'm assuming that thing was being, a, a, in his mind, a nuisance. So I've yeah. never been in that moment where I'm like, okay, before I do anything, better rip out my immune system. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know it's completely plausible. It's just, whenever this type of situation ever happens in any form in an episode, I have to, it takes me an extra, like, half second to get into the mode of thinking. Because <laughs> I always, just for a second can't i'm always still just stuck on the i'm not in this situation nor have i have i you know have i been i've never been in a situation where i've been stabbed and i've been like you know shock in shock trying to pull the knife out you know i'm always like don't pull out the knife idiot but again i've never been the one stabbed so maybe you're, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe it really does just make sense so I, I feel that uh so yeah he he pulls out the larva and then takes a radio from one of the knocked out soldiers and runs into the forest and then we get to sgc getting uh, sg1 and hammond you know that group uh getting to the truck and Daniel starts to touch the freaking gold larva. <laughs> I can already tell it's going to be a bit of a struggle for me to figure out which one of these guys I am at the end of the episode because <laughs> I have definitely, I mean, I can't remember if it was you or, I can't remember who it was exactly, but I feel like you were there at the very least where, I can't remember exactly what it was I was going to touch. I feel like it was at your old place. Um, something gross was on the ground. Or was it on the wall and it was, we were cleaning up after, uh, the yes. terrible roommate? Yes, room? yes, yes. And I went, yeah, God, it looks kind of like, and then I didn't finish the sentence and I went to touch it and somebody shouted at me, don't touch it! <laughs> and I, just I think going, we all shouted that Maybe that's you. why I can't remember because I just remember very distinctly having this almost exact moment where it was just like, yeah, it almost looks like, and then literally just everything, don't touch it! <laughs> so yeah, I feel, I feel Daniel in this, in this scene. I, re I really feel him. <laughs> 
Yeah, my, my note here says, Daniel, don't touch the damn thing. <laughs> right, just pure, pure dumb curiosity. One thing, I dropped something. I, it's driving me crazy. So, all right. So, uh, Jack lays down the law with Mayborn and says that the search for Teal'c is being led by him and SGC, and Mayborn can whine to Hammond all he wants about it. And I like how he says that. Mayborn's like, fine, I will. <laughs> you can whine all you want to Hammond about it. I will whine. Loudly. Just listen. <laughs> I, I didn't learn my lesson from last episode, where I very audibly called myself out for not writing enough context into my notes because I just I I, I remember I remember to write damn Jack one-upping himself with the one-liners except oh, no, yeah. I didn't think to write <laughs> no, down what the line was down. uh so so I do like that as he's starting to leave to whine to Hammond you just see like Jack is just like looming over Mayborn <laughs> Jack is just using word. his height to intimidate the hell out of Mayborn and you can see Mayborn is intimidated because he stops and goes hitting an officer is a court martial offense <laughs> and then Jack's one up on his one liners I'm not gonna hit you Mayborn I'm gonna shoot you that's what it was yes, yes! <laughs> and again with Hammond just kind of like being conspicuously silent yes that line, I was like, Jack! <laughs> and nice I love how every time animal. he says one of these lines to Mayborn, Mayborn can tell he's 100% earnest. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking shoot you. Get out of my sight. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. Jack is amazing in this episode. <laughs> no, this this is, like I, uh, like I said, I definitely had a different initial impression. Initially, uh, in recording, I had a different impression of the episode Overall, I was kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Um, it's kind of a meh episode. Um, I, I, I'm definitely changing more and more. Because, again, <laughs> shitty premise for me. Shitty MacGuffin, as it were, for me. Yeah. But ultimately, solid writing. And the yeah. character chemistry is really, is, is very good, as we oh, would say. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's what I was saying, like, earlier on, at, like, an hour ago when we started talking about this. Um, how I was saying that I think that while there are weak points in this episode, the fact that this was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by David Wary Smith, it shows their strengths that there's still all of these really good directing and writing moments in an episode like this. Uh, so Jack says that he thinks Teal can remove the gold so he could die. The doctor points out that the larva was the only thing delaying his change. And that the change might have also gotten to his mind now, which also might be part of the reason he removed it. Yeah, I feel like Daniel said something about, like, aren't there faster and less painful ways to go? Yeah, I think so. Which, yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> he was, like, not really disagreeing with Jack, but he was also kind of like, I mean, can we assume that? Isn't there, like, faster and, you know, less painful ways to go? And then she says her thing. I was gonna, I was gonna say that might be uh, an aspect of Jaffa culture. Oh yeah, maybe. Like I, well, I, I'm not questioning it. I'm just putting out the detail. <laughs> yeah, it's no, shameful good. for him to actually yeah. actively take his own life, yeah. whereas letting his immune system take him by removing the gold is a little bit different. I, I totally I, again. I'm not even. This wasn't even my thing. I just remember Daniel saying. Yeah, it. no, no. I but yeah, but you just bringing that up. I did think about that. That you know, it's probably a culture thing. He can't. Um. So yeah, the, the they get the larva stable for now 
Ish. But it's it's declining, and Sam is upset that she can't pull more information from Jolinar's memory about gold larva. Yeah, she's annoyed that the convenience train isn't stopping today. <laughs> I would feel like you'd be relieved that the convenience train didn't stop here today. Uh, I, you'll, you'll notice me loudly not complaining. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, hey, listen, they look, they, look, they listen to you. Uh, so, uh, Teal took the radio, basically just to, like, more or less say goodbye to SG-1, it feels like. Dude, I gotta say, again, good episode, because I love the lighting choice. Because he's in the open forest, and when you go to Jack, his harsh red light—it's not even like a—it's not even like an intermittent light. It's just a solid red light, and it's very much kind of like later when we get introduced to the the little girl with the hat. She seems to have a red biohazard symbol on it the entire time, which is pretty apt. But I really like the harsh red element (laughs) there too, which is obviously no danger, right? Uh And it's Mm -hmm. just—I—I just really appreciate the. uh, It's not like that one scene from last episode where. I could definitely tell where Jacob's scene was going with, with the Washington Monument being in his arm. Oh, like yeah. Lance. Like, that was like, this has to be this. I don't know what, there's a bunch of different things that the light could have been indicating. Or it could have been indicating a whole bunch of them put together. At the mm-hmm. very least, his mood. Either way, I got the feel and I liked it. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, no. David Warrior Smith does really good shots. Yeah, I just love how he, when he answers it, Jack answers it, Teal literally says, it is I, and I yes. lost it. And when Jack tries to be like, Tilk, you know what you did is gonna... Basically try to talk Tilk through it and everything, like, we, we can do something, we can fix this. Tilk's already dropped the radio and run. Uh, and then the doctor, uh, Harlow, uh, suggests that maybe they can combine the larva's own work on Tilk's immune system with RNA inhibitors. With an experimental RNA inhibitor. I'm not even gonna question the, uh science of that because I at this point was tired of Wikipedia-ing already. <laughs> I don't I, blame you. I'd already gotten annoyed by several little tiny things and had looked up. By this point I was I was tired of Googling and Wikipedia-ing at that point and I was running out of time before we were gonna start recording. So I uh I, I I'm just I just let this one slide. I went, okay, sure. Plus they already had their own problem with his uh RNA thing. So I was like, fuck it, yeah that works. Uh but this is also the scene where Sam figures out that Mayborn wanted to the change. Janet goes, wait, you had this the whole time? And he goes, not me. Yeah, because he, basically he's like, yeah, we have this solution. And she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, do you now? Really? Interesting, I'm just now hearing about it. And he's like, hey, 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 I just heard about it. Uh, so he says that they'll have to get some insect venom to test the RNA inhibitors. Because, especially since, you know, Tilk's, like, if Tilk was there, they might not need to. <laughs> but because they have to look for Tilk and they're running against the clock to cure him as well. While they're looking for Teal, they also need to get the insect venom so they can test, figure out which RNA inhibitor yeah. would work best. So yeah, they're like, we need to get some venom. Mayborn is flying, flying in his own personnel, and the president is still not reachable. Still golfing. So they basically, we've got a whole bunch of timelines, just like, We've got time limits for everything. Mayborn's bringing people in. We gotta get to Teal before he changes completely. We also gotta get this this uh, insect venom. It's all these timelines just starting to meet in the middle. By the president still being unavailable, it's... By glossing over why he's unavailable this entire time, they're able to conveniently have what would otherwise be an, in some... In just, just in a couple timelines, not all of them, but in a couple mm-hmm. of timelines, uh, an arbitrary time countdown. 
Yeah. Like, like for example, if they'd had, you know, some veto power from the president, a lot of the Mayborn elements wouldn't have been nearly as much of a time crunch. Well, to be fair, even when they do get a hold of the president, he can't stop Mayborn. Right, but who knows what would have happened if there had been any extra earlier attempts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, it's not really a heavy criticism. It's just like, because again, I didn't even notice until you pointed it out now, so I'm not really upset about it that much. It's just like, oh, yeah. I just realized it's, that's, that's ugly head of convenience is reared, but it's not really that ugly, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, so, SG-1 all volunteer to go back through the bug, go back through to get the bug. Uh, Jack's the first one. He's like, even, even though he's been the most vocally against these bugs, he's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go get it. And Sam's like, well, you need someone to watch your back. And I like how Daniel's basically like, and me too. <laughs> Like, Daniel, you're not watching anyone's back. You just don't want to be left alone. <laughs> That's where he and I differ, because I would have been like, I mean... Okay, so if it was demon dragonflies and I knew I'd had protective equipment, maybe I'd be, like, reluctantly that last, like, oh yeah, me too. But let's say it was my other thing I was talking about earlier, it was demon spiders, my actual Yeah, you'd be like, hair. I'm good, I'm I, I literally, right here. <laughs> literally, almost, almost verbatim, Jack would have said his thing, Sam would have said, you'll need someone to watch your back, and I would have looked up and went, be safe. Yeah! And I'll watch the base. <laughs> I wish you well. Don't forget, we're on a crunch. <laughs> yes. So, meanwhile, in uh, inner city Canada, <laughs> Teal'c Teal definitely looks like he's, like, jonesing for a hit. Maybe they just didn't want to fall too heavily into the tropes of, like, the, the hoodlum gang banger kind of thing. But these are, like, the most harmless hoodlums harassing yeah, right. Teal'c we've ever seen. They just want to know where he got his tattoo from. <laughs> I definitely did not get a real gangbanger vibe, and honestly, no, no, maybe, no. Was, I was worried at first, like, oh no, episode. like as as he was approach approaching, walking to this group, I was ready for something like in intolerable to happen. But then this dude just wants to know where he got his tattoo. Mal, Mal, it's actually a compliment to the episode because it actually yeah. shows. It goes to show that no, because it's, it's. I just realized it was um. They were they're wannabes. No wonder I didn't get a gang. Exactly. Uh -huh. They are just wannabes, and it turns out they're just three kids after school with their kid sister. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love it. It's really good. I was worried that it would go down a terrible trope, but instead, it's just these. Wannabes trying to act tough. I was like, yeah, the height difference here should have been enough to deter this moron from a potential standoff. But sure, sure, let's, 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 the, the good thing about the scene is it also does kind of subvert as what you think is going to be a Terminator moment. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they're like, actually, no, we're not going to do that cliche. He doesn't do anything to the kid. He just intimidates and goes. <laughs> yeah, but this is the scene where he explains how those tattoos are done. Where you cut into the skin and then you pour the gold in. And the guy's like, that sounds like it hurts. <laughs> and Tim's like, fucking sick. yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, this seems great for two things. One, it proves that I'm impatient and I should, because like, I literally just looked it up the other day. Because I was like, I, I couldn't remember and I don't want to wait until it gets revealed. And it's like, I don't know why I thought they were going to wait till season seven. It's not like they, <laughs> like, there's no reason to have waited that long. I just, anyway, I, I was too impatient to wait. So I just revealed this the other day, but whatever. I feel um, like Robert C. Cooper was as impatient as you, which is why he wrote this in. <laughs> but I do like this scene for not just establishing a subversion, a subversion of the, uh, cliches but yeah it's also a good little introductory scene to i know she's not cassandra but i'm gonna call her cassandra 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 light. cassandra light 
Well, because, like, you know, our name's Alyssa. My, uh, one of my earliest attempts at a nickname, because I was determined to have a nickname when I was, like, nine or ten. One of my yeah. earliest attempts at a nickname was Allie, and my parents, they, they tried to help. They tried to be supportive. They tried to, like, adopt it, but it just, it just, I'm not an Allie. It just was no. wrong. I'm not an Allie. So, yeah, Allie kind of hurts me as a name. I'm, like, always, like, but, yeah, so I yeah. just, I don't like Allie. I'm gonna call her Cassandra. But, yeah, so Teal Cleaves uh, stumbles off again, and then from behind these three little hoodlum punk uh, wannabes, uh, the the girl who's going to be Cassandra steps out with a water gun in her hand, and she's like, that guy is cool. <laughs> You're not wrong. She's got good taste. <laughs> so I do like when I wrote this, wrote this note down. I said, little girl with the punk sticks took is cool. Probably gonna follow him. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, we go back to SGC, where Hammond is just starting to contemplate sending SG-3 back in after SG-1. Time for the Marines. God. For pest control. imagine the Marines going to that planet? Yes, actually, because I was just thinking, it's funny I haven't mentioned yet, that once it, yet another iteration of this is going to be, in, in a, thankfully in a somewhat minor form, but SGU also has a, tries their hand at the, get the venom off the sleeping terrifying bugs thing. That's funny. And it's almost entirely made of Marines. Uh, so... Let's see. Uh, we have a brief moment where Teal'c, uh, this is the part where you see Teal'c wandering through the streets, and there's a part where he's down an alleyway, and you see a cop car pull up nearby. Yeah, the only way that that seems believable is that if it actually really was in Canada, because I feel like that definitely would have been a stop and frisk. I mean, it wasn't close Maybe I'm just speaking to about today's. No, I'm just, I think I'm more just speaking about today's climate. It's a really crappy joke. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but based on, again, based on today's, you know, climate, oh, it's, not, it's not unheard of that they would literally just have taken umbrage uh, uh, just based on his skin color. So mm-hmm. the whole scene is just incredibly unbelievable to me that they rolled on by. I'm like, oh, wait, no, never mind, Canada. To be fair, they didn't roll on by. They slowed down. And then still continued to not harass him. hurried away. He I know, hurried and, away. And then they didn't get out of their car. No, no. No, I'm not disagreeing with you over there, but I wanted to clarify that what he left. Was. They didn't <laughs> yeah. leave. Yeah, true, true. But yeah, so... But yeah, so we get a quick scene where he's you know, wandering through the streets, and then he finds like an abandoned building, and goes in and hunches down. SGC has um the team left yet? Yeah, remember because we just had a scene where he was talking about how he was about to send SG three in after them. That's right. So, so the team has already gone through. Yes, I d- I was struggling with the uh, bullet points. This is a brand new word I have. I have the newest open office, uh-huh. and um it turns out that if you hit some key combination that I hit, it reverses, not like reverses, but your bullet points are out of order. And I thought I fixed the order, but I thought I, 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 I was incorrect. <laughs> anyway, it's only a couple out of order, but I did miss one note as a result. And that was okay. just real quick. As the SG, as SG1 is leaving through the gate to go yeah. into, into demon bug land, I, I know they're going for something with uh, the close-up on Sam's finger specifically trig- on the trigger. Not, like, uh-huh. on the trigger, but it's kind of clear that it's not on the trigger, but they really are showing that she's, like, like her finger's there and ready to go. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, it really honestly does kind of look like her finger is potentially on the trigger, which is really just demonstrating to me that an Air Force captain doesn't know what gun safety is. I will say right away, she did not have a gun. She had the bug spray thing. No, no, no. She had a pistol. She had a pistol. Okay, I did not see her. She had a pistol. Yeah, I just that's... know later on when they come back through, she's the one. With yeah, the yeah, bug she spray does. Stuff, yeah, no, she does so. have the bug spray afterwards. I didn't um, see her with her hand on a gun at all yeah, when they were going. Because the reason why I was, you know, I, I was pretty fucking sure it was a gun because I was no 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 before that or was supposed to be before that and I got all messy was 
Daniel continuing to love the idea that a gun is going to help him because he has like this moment where he looks down at the gun and just kind of does that same shrug thing he always does where he's like, yeah, yep, yep, that's a gun. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, there's <laughs> his gun there. Yeah, that's true. It's going to continue to stay there. Yeah, exactly. So it's that kind of thing. And then they do that close-up where, again, it's not a bad shot, actually, in terms of like a transition or whatever, and it does convey the intensity. But because it's me, all I can think is, yeah, no, her finger should be hell away from that trigger because that's, that's, that's how people get shot. That's fair. I didn't see that, and like I said, later on, the only gun we see her using is a, a bug spray thing, so. Uh, yeah, so, after Teal goes and finds the building to hunch down in, we go back to SGC, and SG-1 is returning, and once again, they're just, like, running through, like, closet, 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 and one bug gets in after him. Okay, so, I'm gonna do this really quick, I promise. Yes. Two things. I, I, it's just two things, but they are linked. One, this is a goof, and I did actually confirm it with the trivia, um, which I will, of course, be linking as always, mm-hmm. but this is a goof as in when SG-1 dials in, there's just a bit of a continuity error because the chick at the, the, who's doing Walter's job today goes, incoming wormhole, it's SG-1, indicating that she's received an IDC. And then the shot goes out to the embarkation room and shows the gate, which then fully dials, and then creates a wormhole. So I'm like, how the fuck did an IDC get sent through before the uh, wormhole was even opened? And it turns out, nope, that's a goof. That, 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 that's you can, fair. You those, can thing, see, those things happen. Yeah, when she says her line, it does kind of look like they are doing the ripple water effect on the walls behind her. Like they were thinking the wormhole was already active, and then uh-huh. somebody forgot in the editing process what, you know, it, it looks like a very minor mistake at best. So yeah, it's fine. those things happen. Now, that being said, regardless of the timing... Not entirely regardless, but as soon as that wormhole opens, right, as soon as she does get that IDC confirmation, they know where these guys are coming from. And yeah. 30 seconds from now, they're going to introduce, not introduce, they're not introduce, we already know about it, obviously, but they're going to reintroduce us to the concept of those blast doors that uh, shut off the embarkation room from the rest of the base. Yeah, my shit on it. Yeah, why the fuck weren't those doors already closed? Why did Jack have to scream, close the door? Yeah, one got through. That was probably gonna happen. They knew what they were going to... They, uh, they knew that they were going back to that planet, and they knew that they were going to be there specifically to aggravate these things <laughs> in search of their venom. Like, I'm pretty sure aggravation was going to happen as a byproduct. So it was definitely, definitely, definitely on someone's memo list to make sure that, that as soon as they knew it was SG-1, to close the doors, and then somebody fucked up that day. <laughs> oh yeah, someone absolutely <laughs> fucked up. I'm not. Some, I'm some not airman got uh, demoted or dressed yeah, down so basically, after this. SG-1 runs through... One bug comes in after him. Jack yells, like, close the frickin' doors and everything. And then Jack just basically starts trying to shoot it in the, the embarkation room. Yeah, uh, I, the problem with questionable CGI like this is that even though it's not really that bad, and, I, and, I, and I'm not really complaining because I get the budget constraints, it's just that as an unfortunate side effect of that, I, I can't decide if they were... I'm not entirely sure if they were supposed to indicate that the, the thing was going fast. Because all it kind of looked like was really just a fumbling drunk dragonfly, and that was even before I got shot. <laughs> they did want it to think that they did want us to think it was fast. Um, okay, so I didn't quite get that effect. By the yeah. first appearance of it when it like zoomed okay. past well, Jack and yeah, Jack said, tried. "Whoa, did anyone else hear that?" Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so they, they do want it to be fast, but yeah, CGI limitations, especially. I'm not judging. It's 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 it could have been so much worse. Yeah, yeah, oh, 100% could have been worse. And if yeah. they wanted it to be fast, it would have been hard to make it be a practical effect. But yeah, so the, he he does manage to shoot it, and of he course wings has to throw it. out it. A... He wings it, and, uh... That has to be a pun, right? You know, because, you know, dragonfly wings, 
He yeah, well, uh, he, I mean, he meant it, like, literally. I got it with the wing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's double entendre, then. All I yeah. know is I, I all no, know it. No, it works. It's a good, it's a good bit of dialogue that works, because that is usually a, oh, I just barely hit it. But it also I, means I hit its wing. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the scene, though, because she, you know, J- Sam's on it. She's been going into she the kill with the, the rage. She out of and that book, like, to the point where Jack's like, okay, okay, shit, shit. Yeah, like, but I love those, because she's going in with such enthusiasm that he kind of, like, I'm not entirely sure this was acting, and not so much as, like, because she actually is wearing a mask, right? I think maybe yeah. for a moment, since she, in the heat of the moment, she is, you know, going in for it. She might not be able to see entirely where she was going. I feel like she might have been going for an accidental crotch shot. And I feel like that, <laughs> might actually, that actually might have been Richard Dean Anderson going, you know, but acting it, you know, doing it right. Just going, like, as a redirect, not just as in don't point it at me, but also, no, 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 ouch. <laughs> I like it. I buy it and I like it. It was a good scene. Yeah, because he wasn't wearing the mask anymore because when he yeah. tumbled through, it fell off of him. Yes, yeah, so it works Sam perfectly. Sam and Daniel are both still wearing their masks. Yeah. I just, I just love it because the whole thing's great. From that to him, you know, tapping on the back of her, on her back, like, okay, okay, it's good, it's good, you got it. You got it, it. you got, got it. it, stop. <laughs> and then, like, you know, as soon as she rips the mask off, he, like, stops shouting. That's that, like, slight discordant thing again that you were talking yeah. about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's a very, it's a good episode. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I just love how she's just spraying the shit out of it. Like, right. stay I, down. I mean, are you kidding? Duh. Dude, that's uh, me. I, I spray half a can of Raid on a big-ass spider. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so here's... Sam shows that they have video footage from the planet where they discovered all the bugs, and uh, they figure out that the people... The bugs used to be people of that world, and that its final transformation requires dark and closed places. Yeah, and where they, they cocoon themselves they and then spit out a whole bunch more. They come back with this information so that it can make it easier for them to find Teal'c later. Because they're basically racing against Mayburn, and they're like, we have more information than him at least, so we have a better idea about where to look for him than Mayborn would. Yeah. Um, to be fair, anyone would have a better idea of where to look sorry? than Mayborn. Anyone would have a better idea of where to look than Mayborn. He's a fucking Yeah, because Mayborn's an idiot. Uh, but they mentioned that it's how they reproduce, which is when I put the note, oh, cool, it's alien, fucking kill me. Yeah, right? I was like, sure, sure. Yep, great. <laughs> oh, David Ray Smith, you just really like your horror movies, huh? Oh, but this is actually the part, this, this is actually my biggest problem with this episode, is the video footage they bring back of um, the, the bugs coming out of the cocooned body. You have an issue with that, too? Good. <laughs> Because I just started thinking about the fact, I'm like, this place has clearly been deteriorating long enough that people have not lived here long enough that it's been deteriorating on its own without external forces. How did they just happen to come across a, a body fresh enough that bugs were spreading yeah, out of it exactly. at that yeah. moment? I had the same issue with that. That was that was just so they could show. It was just so they yeah. could show what happened. That's their moment of big convenience in this episode. That's the one where I'm like, the best, the best argument I could possibly give for it. Because I always have to try and come up with these. No, my best possible defense for this, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a thin one, and I acknowledge that right away, is the fact that maybe there were a couple of people who managed to keep away from the bugs long enough that this is the last survivor. Because if enough of the planet got immediately subsumed by the bugs, that even if there were a couple of survivors left, they wouldn't be able to upkeep the town. It would start deteriorating on its own. 
And that's a thin defense. It is a convenience of timing so that they could film the final transformation. I have no arguments. <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest problem with this this episode. Other than just the gross... <laughs> oh. We go back to Teal'c, and surprise, the little girl has found him. <laughs> but I like how she even is like, yeah, you need rehab. <laughs> Because the way he's, like, shaking and sweating, it looks like he's coming down from something. Uh, and she starts to leave, and Teal'c's like, wait, no, I need nourishment. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh man, my candy bar. Is that the part where she said something about, like, yeah, I knew someone like that, and then he died? Oh, no, she says, you look worse than my dad did after he got that's shot, right. and he then died. he died. <laughs> yeah, that's because I know he was, yeah, kids being helpful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks, kid. Super helpful, thank you. That's 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 But she basically says, Look, I'll split the candy bar with you. <laughs> and then she gives him half of it and she's like, Yeah, it's uh peanuts and caramel and he like repeats it back or whatever. <laughs> and then and then he's like, I need more and she's like, Oh yeah, well what's in it for me? And he's like, Peanuts I and caramel. <laughs> like, I have nothing to offer you. <laughs> and she's like, No, what what'll you give me for it? He's like, I, I don't have anything. And she's like, all right, well, you'll owe me one. <laughs> but I love it. She goes, owe me one, you know, like The Godfather, which is like, that's a great reference. Of all the movies to reference for that, because that just makes me go, okay, so she wants a hitman? <laughs> this kid's definitely street smart. She wants a hitman. She, she definitely yes, is. Yes, but I do like that as she's starting to leave to bring him more candy, he, like, thanks her or whatever, and she says, don't sweat it. And he's like, I cannot prevent it. <laughs> Just like you can't prevent that gold thing falling off as a result of it. I know. Uh, back at SGC, I do love that. So the doctor has the, the bug, and he's about to start, you know, working on it or whatever. And Daniel, for some reason, is standing right next to him and has the audacity to be surprised when the doctor's like, hey, I need you to be my lab assistant. It's like, Daniel, you're standing a foot away from him. What did you think was going to happen? What I love is that this is one of the many times that Daniel will occupy what is usually the uh, pretty girl trope. Yes, yes! You know, He's her job is to stand it. around and look pretty. And sometimes, you know, she has like a part to play, but it's so, you know, not often used in these situations. So she often ends up playing this kind of role. And it's like, yeah, they, they totally do it, except it's Daniel, and I love it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that Daniel's the damsel in distress or the gal Friday, usually. It's, gal it's Friday, real there good. We go. yeah. It's real good. I love it. But it's just something he's like, what, me? <laughs> and he's clearly not happy about it, but he, he decides to, to help, you know, hold the bug steady for him so he can pull the, the sample out and everything. And uh, Sam has done her analysis and has declared that... Uh, that if Teal'c, you know, goes through the final transformation, uh, and if they don't get to him in time and stop it, then within six to eight weeks, there will be, there will be a swarm in the order of millions. You know, just the average we fucked situation of the week. Yeah, because she points out the fact that, like, they, they breed exponentially. <laughs> and this is also the scene where they point out that the average human, ten of them would come out, but Teal'c has more product <laughs> for them to be coming from, so he would make more. They don't say how much more, but yeah. they say more. Yeah, it's somewhere between ten and hundreds. <laughs> yeah. So, back at Teal'c's hidey hole, you see the cops just outside questioning people, and they seem to be questioning um, the, the guy who was asking him about tattoos earlier. 
Yes, because there's only one uh, Canadian hoodlum gang, apparently, yeah. in, in all of Canada. To be fair, the yeah. kid was around that same area, so maybe like they were also wandering the uh, the not so dirty alleys of what turns out to be behind the subway because they're not actually hoodlums. But the girl comes back, and I do like this whole dialogue exchange because oh, she says, "Are you a Kimball?" And he says, "What's a Kimball?" And she's like, "What planet are you from?" And like describes that. Oh, you know, Cassandra, what planet are you from? And my only note here is, girl, I've seen The Fugitive multiple times and I didn't get your reference either. Okay, <laughs> that makes me feel better because just like you, I love The Fugitive. I've seen it a million times. I could practically quote that thing. I'm actually surprised mm-hmm. we haven't hit on this before. Uh, but I didn't get it either. <laughs> are you a yeah. Kimball? <laughs> yeah, that's, I actually rewound when she first asked that question because I'm like, what did you ask him? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Teal tells her she needs to leave because he's dangerous. But she, being a good judge of character, is like, you wouldn't hurt me. <laughs> I can And tell. she does, and this is a scene where she makes a, a comment about, she talks about how her dad was a cop, and how she got a lot of her being able to judge whether people were good people or not from him. And she says something about how he says that, he used to say that people, like, that bad people had a smell to them. Some yeah, you can always tell. Yeah, you can always tell by how they smelled. Yeah, which I didn't actually write that note down, but later on when she says something to Mayborn, I did write, I did, like, go, oh shit, that was a great little lead-up. <laughs> Speaking of lead-ups, I, uh, because later I'm going to bitch about it, don't, don't get me wrong. I, yeah. um, in part, I know that they're being purposely vague here, mm-hmm. but screw them, convenience is still convenience. <laughs> uh, I know this is their lead-up for it, but it still doesn't really help too much later. That does establish to me that the cop, her dad was a cop who died... Uh, shot, was killed in the line of duty, it looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that, we're on the same page there. He was a cop. That's what I'm assuming. Who was shot and killed in the line of duty. There's nothing that indicates to me that he was anything beyond your average, regular cop. Yeah. Okay, cool. See this Oh, no, note I think later. I know what your problem is, yep. and I already have an answer for it, but we'll get there. Uh, so, we get back to SGC, where Hammond has finally gotten a hold of his BFF, the president, and basically their answer is, hey... We can basically, we have control, not control, but like, if anybody in the local ordinance finds him, he's coming back to us. If Mayborn's people find him, there's not much we can do about that. You have jurisdiction, except for if he gets them, Mayborn gets there, then he has jurisdiction. Don't don't ask me for the how or why military yeah. tech. I, I could see military being bullshit like that, so I'm not really actually questioning myself. Yeah. But I do like how they also just don't bother questioning it. Uh, so t- uh, back with girl, the girl in Teal, with Cassandra Light and Teal, uh, she tells him, like, look, there's people looking around. Uh, you're going to get found this way. Let me show you a better place to hide. And it's in the same building. She just gets him a better hidey hole. Let me help you fugitive better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for her, man. And she does help him relocate just in time because Mayborn's goons just go into that building right at that time. She has very good timing with her obstruction of justice. Hell yeah. Good for her. Uh, back at the SGC, they've just figured out which RNA inhibitor will probably work the best for fixing teal uh and then but on the other hand the gold larva is dying and it's gonna die before they manage to get teal at this point and that's that's another time that we have to work with now (laughs) back with the girl she's trying to sneak out and gets caught by one of the goons and uh we flash to teal up above where she left him and he's starting to show like the cocoon covering Yes, they uh they found the only 
Halloween shop still open in Vancouver just in time. Yeah, it's, it's they fake just, They had just started to cover him with the stuff. The intern had arrived. Absolutely. Uh, so I do like that this is the callback scene where the, one of the goons brings her to Mayborn and he says a whole bunch of stuff, but he basically goes, you know, I'm, I'm with the U.S. military. I'm, I'm one of the good guys. And she's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I just love how she immediately reads him like, no. And then she does a callback where she goes, you you smell bad or something like that. Where she- I, I, I don't know where he is. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. And Mayborn goes, asks, you know, is that so? Why is that? And she goes, because I don't like how you smell. There we go. That's what it was. Because I don't like how you smell. And I love it because, because he didn't have that previous conversation with her. He thinks he's just being flat out insulted. Oh no, where his she's face is like, great. He because slowly just we saw <laughs> this. We saw her have that previous discussion. We're going, she can tell he's a bad person. I just, I love the scene because it's good acting on his part for uh, that moment where you can definitely see that, that moment where an adult consciously weighs the odds of hitting this small child yes. <laughs> in public with witnesses. And then, you know, in a second goes, no. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like that moment of him literally assessing the odds and it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Um, so back at SGC, Jack makes a joke about, oh, too bad we can't just zap the the larva with the, the defibrillator paddles. And he's making a joke. And as soon as he does, Janet and Sam both go, well, hang on a second. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, we've been trying to recreate However, you know, the the situation inside of his pouch, I know you're mad about this, just let me finish talking, then you can talk about it. Recreate the situation in there as, as close as possible, but, you know, there's going to be electrical currents from the, the body's system. What if we also add that to the tank? So go ahead, what are you mad about? <laughs> it doesn't need to be a thing, because it really, it doesn't need to be a thing. Yeah. yeah. But could it be that simple? Of course it could be that simple. Everything up to this point. This has been, a, what, 36 hours of, of course it's been that fucking simple. Fucking bite me. I hate, <laughs> I fucking, these are the, I've bitched about this before. These are the fucking worst kinds of lampshading moments. The only thing that makes up for this is episode, I think it's 200. Yeah, because it's Vala. And yeah. I, I think it's the one with yeah, Vala. Yeah, it's episode 200. One, yeah, it's the one where she's... Well, because there's another one where he originally shows up where he's talking about the TV show that he wants to make, and then it becomes a movie element for episode yeah, 200. Yeah, the movie is episode 200. Yeah, I just can't remember if this was a flashback from 100 or whatever. It doesn't matter. All I know for sure is I remember it being that they were... The whole team's like on, like, you know, freaking run from the replicators, right? A whole, like, horde of them. And they're all shooting back at them, with their, you know, like, with their P90s as they're running, and they're like... Then they come up to a cliff, and it's overlooking this huge expanse, like, valley before yeah. them and a plateau up and then the stargate in the distance and there's a, an entire space between them and the gate is filled with an, you know, an army of replicators mm-hmm. and then the next and they're like oh my god and then the next shot's them coming through the stargate on earth and it's like and sam goes all right that was that was lucky uh that is a pitch from the writing director guy um okay of part of a scene from his movie great cool and, awesome and after he pitches that yeah, yeah I, I remember goes, the after part what the for that reason, and yeah, because afterwards they're like, no, no, that, that, you can't just call it convenient and make it not convenient. That's, of course, this is literally what introduced me to what lampshading was. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously their, you know, outrage at it is, you know, correct. But this kind yeah. of stuff is it's the same kind of thing to me where I just... 
I'm only going to do a thin defense here, and it's one I've actually given before, and this show has done it before, where they've pointed out before, especially with like the big science brains like Sam, where sometimes they miss the, uh, like the pilot. Uh-huh. Remember the pilot where Daniel had to be the one to bring up uh, planet drifting? Yeah, well, we've already talked about how pilots don't count, though. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying that, but it's not the only time it's happened. It's just the first time it's happened. Fine, I'm this just being brat about this. It's not the first time, and it's not, it's not the last time that Sam is going to miss an obvious answer because she's probably overthinking it. And yes, it is a trope for that to be a thing, but it is a thing that you see used as a writing trope, where the one who has all of that science knowledge is looking of that. Yeah, no, I, you've already said that you you was you was, you already acknowledged that it was thinly veiled. Yeah, it's a thinly veiled excuse, but it is something the show has already done before. Yeah, so but I'm, I'm willing also, to accept I have, it. You're, you are correct. I'm a, mm -hmm. You're good. You're, you are correct. Yeah. I just, on top of that, um, on my side, I should say, I, uh, just as you are often correct with your, this could work and therefore it's not, you know, a bad thing. You're not, not like a implausible thing. Yeah. Um, I just always go, yeah, but just because it can doesn't mean that it may, the trope isn't just, you know, whatever convenient thing they're using. Then speed of this nature is... Just because it's done doesn't mean it's still not a pattern of convenience. Oh, no, no. It is still a trope that not even just SG-1 has done. It's a trope that is just a thing oh, no, no, of the genre a Overthinking. Lot of yeah. No, you're good. Hey, you're so, good. I think this is one of those instances where we both see each other's side and both kind of agree, but both... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're, we're like Venn diagramming, you know? We're not really, like, firmly disagreeing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that kind of thing where it's just like, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> when you are putting up a sign that says, I love it when I say, like, well, there's actual yellow utility signs that says, no guardrail, or <laughs> or blind turn. And it's like, mm -hmm. so you, the government is literally establishing at this moment that yeah. this, is, this is the extent of their giving a shit. That kind of stuff where it's, you're just kind of acknowledging that you are not going to put the actual effort in. And that, some people think that's funny and I just sit there going, heh <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. But yeah, so I do, the one thing I do like about this scene though, um, is that after they determine that yes, that was how to keep the thing alive, at least until they can get Teal back. Um, they cap the scene off with Jack being like, well, my work here is done. I'm just gonna accept that because fuck it. Sure, 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 sure. It's not like, you know, I'm just, it's it's more like amniotic fluid than anything that's in those pouches, but sure, sure, some electrical water and, you know, you don't have a fried snake, you have yourself, um... I'm sorry, you have calamari. No, I, I'm i not disagreeing with you on this. Especially since I like how they just guessed first try and didn't fry the sucker. Like, water is, I don't know, conductive? Moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm i not disagreeing with you on this at yeah. all. That's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm totally over it. Let's, let's, let's do this. So we go back to Teal'c and the girl. And uh, she goes back to check on Teal'c and he's covered in even more uh, Halloween fake spider webs. And she starts talking... Okay, so this is the part where I think you have a problem. So she starts yeah, talking to him sorry. about... Sorry, just like that's like, dude, um, I have a problem everywhere. You know, obviously you can't be found by those goons who grabbed me earlier, but my dad knew some good guys on the force. Let me talk to one of them. 
But he is like, no, no, no. And he tries to stop her, and she, this is the, this is the thing. She asks, is, is this really what he wants? No, she, she's really great, because she's like, even though she's trying really, really, really hard to give him the opportunity to to be in charge of his fate as much as possible, she's also starting mm-hmm. to, ha- she's also starting to tell him, if I don't get the right kind of response here, I am going to call the cops, because she's now yeah. starting to get into worried territory. You know, no, understandably. This really smart. I feel like I I feel like she's definitely passed into uh, this is irregular behavior territory. Before this, he just kind of yeah. looked like he might have had smallpox, which uh, up until this point, again, she was more just a PSA for Canada not being a super anti-vax place because clearly yeah. she had no fear of the smallpox. So uh, my next note, I think, is going to be an answer to what I think your problem is with this next scene. My yeah. next note, uh, I am making an assumption, but I'm making an assumption based on clues in the text here. So after she asks, because of the way it's cut, because she asks, is this really what you want? And then it cuts to SGC where they get a phone call from her. Uh-huh. I read that as the directing telling me Teal'c gave her contact information for SGC. Specifically because she was specifically calling for Jack. So here's the thing. She knew who she was calling for. So he, because of the fact that Teal'c had that deal with Jack, hey Jack, I don't want to go out like this, kill me. And Jack had agreed. So when she says, is this really how you want how you want this to end? He's like, oh no, that's not how I want this to end. I want Jack to kill me. Here, call him over to me. So he gave her the information to call into SGC. Go. Just to make sure, I wanted to make sure, because I uh, got distracted um, mostly just by, I don't even know, it was like my brain, I, I, I wanted to say distracted by something, but honestly it was just a moment of like, blink, shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, you did say that this was built, not to, not to sound shitty, but you said this was um, based on clues, right? This wasn't any dialogue that I missed? Uh, so, so basically... Because I'm down with it being dialogue that I missed. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, there, There's a vague hint in the dialogue, mostly in the fact that she is clearly calling directly for Jack. Okay, cool, cool. That's fine. I'm not going to argue it. I just want yeah. to... So here's the... So I still... I'm, okay. I, like I said, I wasn't going to argue it. I'm still going to argue it. I'm just not going to... That's not where I'm going to like draw the line and be like, mm-hmm. nope, Mel, you're wrong because this. No, you're fine. Um, Because we've definitely established before we even like stuff not being specified in yeah. direct dialogue. So this is not where I'm drawing the line. This is not where I have a complaint. So yeah, no. there. But my problem is still, it's just, this is an interesting place again to gloss because who the fuck was her dad? It's not that I really even think this wouldn't be a thing. It's just that it's not even that she could have had Jack's name. I could, I could buy Teal'c giving her Jack's name, but that is really fine. My big problem is, Cover or not to the general public, based on the dialogue I have do, that I'm thinking of, um, mm-hmm. it did seem like the, the dad was the anchor part because it was that he knew pe- someone that I, he knows someone that we can trust, is what I remember her saying. Basically, she mentioned her dad knowing good cops. Yeah, I know. Basically, as I, a thing to be like, yeah. look, you don't have to go to those goons outside. That's it. Her. Her dad's connection to being a cop has nothing to do with the phone call she made. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not 
arguing that. Um, my thing is that I did have the trivia up at one point because that was the thing that I, I was I had looked through a couple times to uh, reinforce or uh, dismiss a theory. Yeah. And as a result, I had read through the page a couple times, and I do remember a piece of dialogue actually being specified in one on one of the pages I was reading that talked about her saying that she that um, because of her dad there was someone they she could call that they could trust. Like, that was the part of dialogue that I do remember was they could trust that person. Yeah, no, that's... Okay, that part of dialogue was literally her just saying that she knew other good, trustworthy officers. That's the thing. is like, so nothing was saying otherwise to me. And mm-hmm. through that dialogue, it was indicated to me that that was going to be, like, the starting point from where to call because I don't think Teal had a phone number to give her, personally. Why I think he? that it was... I just... It, I just don't. I, I I do believe that it is established through the episode. And again, if it turns out after the fact, after, you know, off mic that I'm wrong, we can... <laughs> you can call me out again afterwards. I'm really, I'm really not against being wrong. I'm not upset with being wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just really sure I'm not that uh, it's just, it, it, that they were establishing, I say in quotes, that that was going to be like a starting point for her to call because later when she does get a hold of Jack, she says, finally, I had to call like 15 people to get to you. Now I'm not saying this is for sure, because again, you're, you're I'm not saying my theory is absolute, but that did, that did seem to indicate to me that, that she started with this, one of these cops that she could trust mm-hmm. and therefore was able to do a chain effect to get to Jack, which to me seemed odd considering how he, again, even with a cover like deep space telemetry is in, cover in, you know, NORAD's Cheyenne mountain base on the Stargate project. So it seemed a little far-fetched that he managed to get that call. Talk to this many people. Talk to this many people. That seal still seemed like the chain effect. It's still that, that still reinforced it for me. Maybe it was just the front desk. Maybe that's why it took that long for her to get to Jack. He gave her a number to SGC. She had to go through a lot of hoops to get to Jack in SGC. That's what I got from that, because she did not say call this many people. She said talk to this many people. So, yeah, I, I, I agree on the dialogue difference. Um, I still just think it still I still think it benefits my thing. So I we're not Venn diagramming as much, but I do still see what you're saying. And I still accept it as a possible answer. I just personally don't think it's that. <laughs> yeah, I this is one where we're just going to have to uh, disagree for me yeah. because I do not think she called cops at all. I think Teal gave her the number. It's it's like that thing I told you about once where it's like I'm seventy percent confident where it's I'm I'm not really mad, I just wanna know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm then diagramming enough where I totally see what you're saying as a mm-hmm. as a possibility, as a valid 50-50 even kind of possibility. I just don't believe it personally. I <laughs> just wanna make sure that we're on the same page there, because I I'm down. I agree on that part. Yeah, I will say it could have benefited from maybe a line to help clear it up a little That's bit. often where we come to the conclusion um, in these not arguments. <laughs> yeah. In these I spirited think, debates that we have. And again, it's always a line. Not exactly. even like a couple of lines. Just a line would have helped. We're not always going to agree on the episodes, yeah. and that's fine because yeah. we're never like angry with our disagreements. We just talk through it. <laughs> so, uh, they go get Teal. Uh, there's a, a nice little quiet moment where Jack goes to approach Teal and clears away a little bit of the cobwebs from him and is like, hey, dude, you know, I'm not, and Teal basically calls him in on the, hey, you agreed that you'd kill me or whatever. And Jack's like, yeah, well, it doesn't have to be today. We've got a solution. You know, basically, it to have I, I don't that- have to kill you. We can fix you. Yeah. So, I do like the, uh, no. However, it does say something to how fake that cobwebby shit looks that 
oftentimes when I see that on, it's one that, just like fake blood, no one's quite perfected fake cobwebs. Even if they put money into it, I feel like that stuff is just, maybe it's the sheen or something, but the entire time he's clearing it away, I'm like, yep, clear away the fake shit, because it didn't even slightly make me cringe. I wasn't even a little. Yeah. It's just, it just said, I just like how fake it obviously is. That was it. Yeah, uh, but so they're all clearing him out, getting him loaded up and everything. Oh god, okay, so real quick, real quick, you're gonna yeah. love this. Mm-hmm. When they um start to come out of the building, there's a little moment that fucking kills me where during the interaction that's coming, that, that, that happens, I had to rewatch it because the first time I just kept laughing. Michael Shanks went to uh, clear his bangs out of his eyes for a second, and yet, uh-huh. at, but at the last second, he kind of like a, doesn't like abort it hard or anything, but he definitely kind of stops the motion when he remembers that his glasses are already up there acting as a headband. <laughs> So he just kind of goes like, oh, I can't Michael. do that. Michael! God, I love his hatred of the But I do love that. It definitely looked like he went like, Fuck. He wears the glasses for the majority of this episode. Yeah, that's why it stood out to me. I was like, oh, yep, there's his headband. I was waiting for it. And then, oh, oh, he forgot about it, too. That's so funny. My note for that scene was that I like that as everyone's clearing out, Daniel's the one who's left behind with the little girl, and he's clearly uncomfortable about it. What I love is, my note there was, uh, Daniel is too disassociated from the world to remember that adults are supposed to talk to kids like idiots, so instead he just engages the kid like an equal, and I love it. I love it. No, it's so good. But yeah, I just love the fact that, like, everyone else goes ahead, and he's left behind with this girl, and you realize, you notice the moment he realizes that too, and he's like, shoot. (laughs) But yeah, back at SGC, you know, their, their plans have worked, the RNA sequence with his Cool, Lara being put it back in him is fixing him up and everything. Uh, but Hammond says, yeah, well, unfortunately, Mayborn did have orders for all of the insect parts to be sent to NID after all of this is done. And then the doctor, the uh, Harlow, Dr. Harlow, <laughs> basically shows that he's 100%, he's joined the ranks of SGC with the black and white 100% against NID at this point where he's like, that's going to be impossible. There's going to be an unfortunate lab accident where all of it's going to be destroyed. <laughs> Timmy boy exercising his last-ditch attempt to get into Sam's pants. Yes! <laughs> so, the last scene of this episode is Teal going back to visit the girl to give her a new, better, cooler water gun. Yes. Not that the trivia sometimes isn't all. There's, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, wow, this is a... It's, it's weird how much detail went into this trivia, but mm-hmm. I just love that somebody cultivated the knowledge here in the trivia that the gun that he gives the kid, the person specified which brand each one oh is, which model. She, which one, she has like a, a like an SP or CP 1000. Uh, Teal himself keeps for himself uh, the CP 1500 or 1000 or whatever. Jesus. And it's just like, I like how somebody took the time to write that in there just because, you know, it matters. Beautiful. <laughs> it does matter. But I do like thing. that. So I already thought it was funny that, especially when I made the note about how uncomfortable Daniel was being left with the kid alone at the... Uh, the last time, the fact that when Teal comes back, Daniel's the one that comes with him. Oh, I know. I love it. I feel like that was Jack's decision. He's like, well, Teal can't go alone. Daniel, you're you're harmless. You go with him. Yeah, and this is next to the last time. I could be wrong. There's seasons of content that I could be, could be not remembering. But um, as far as I'm aware, this is probably the first and last time we're going to see Teal going out in public with his uh, gold thingy because... 
He'd already oh, yeah, gone after through it once. The hats. Yeah, because he'd already gone through, you know, recent, like, literally in public in recent memory with his gold thingy out and exposed. There was really no point in hiding it. Plus, who the hell knows? Maybe, like, they had the skull cap on up until he got into the building, and once they knew they were going to be outside of prying eyes and the kid had already seen it, they took it off. Doesn't matter. It's just, this is pretty much the last time I see him, I think, out and proud. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that as well. Because I was like, but it made sense, like, you're not you know? running away sick anymore. You could be wearing a hat. But I was like, yeah. well, she already knows about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and again, it's like, it's not actually a bad detail. You know, it's like, it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. She's already seen it. There really isn't any point in exactly. maintaining mm-hmm. a charade. But yeah, so Teal'c and Daniel go back to visit her. He gives her a, a new shiny water gun. And so she immediately sprays Teal'c with it. It's the Super Soaker 1000 or something. Yeah. And then Daniel's already kind of, like, acting like a finicky cat. He didn't even get sprayed. He got, like, the the back the back splash of Tilt getting sprayed. It's where he's already kind of just, like, eh, eh, being a finicky cat about it. And I then, love it when she, when she shoots him and, and he says his thing and Tilt just goes, how else does she to defend herself? Yes, because no, Daniel says, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't have. Loaded, uh, loaded it with water it, yeah. before we gave it to her, huh? And that's where Teal'c says, how else is she supposed to defend herself? And pulls his own into frame. Because again, great directing choices. When they first walk up, you don't see the second gun. Nope. No, it's great. And it's and- only as Teal'c says, how is she to defend herself? That it pans down enough that you see that he's holding another gun. And he pulls it up just high enough to shoot Daniel in the chest with it. As gross as it is, um, I love Boondock Saints, and there's a scene mm-hmm. in it where there's a cat that gets unfortunately uh, air cannoned. It's not or shot. Um, it's it's not real, obviously, because it's an air cannon with yeah. you know, fake shit in it. What mostly gets me through that scene is the fact that I know the backstory of it, which was that the that Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery, who were obviously playing the two brothers, they were playing with the uh, air gun ahead of time, like shooting off mm-hmm. shit into the bay, uh, Boston Bay. So they knew what it was gonna sound like. But the guy, Rocco, didn't. And so they were ready for it when he does the surprise scene where he slams his hands down on the gun that, you know, shoots the, 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 the fake cat. Yeah. So his reaction is terrific because he did <laughs> not know. And so he's like, holy, it's, just, it's great. Because he fucking, just like, you know, as if it were, a, you know, a real cat. Mostly it's just to be startled in general by a giant scary noise plus mm-hmm. guts. Yeah. So he just jumps up, screams, fuck, shit, holy shit, fuck, fuck and then i can't remember who it is i think it might be my favorite person but i, th- I think it's my favorite person who goes is it dead <laughs> in a really terrible irish accent i think it was norman Reedus. <laughs> just is it dead <laughs> but it's it's great because i love that backstory because i watched that scene and i love watching their faces because they're mm-hmm. clearly they're doing a good job but yeah there's that slight breaking where they're definitely going like fuck yeah look at his face holy shit holy shit <laughs> um and so i I didn't know that the script said that the water gun was going to be empty. So as soon as I saw a water gun, I expected him to shoot, right? Like, it made sense from the audience level what was going to happen. So yeah. when I was, like, when he was shooting, I was looking for Teal'c's reaction. Not because I thought it was going to be improvised, but I wanted to know if he could hold character while shooting his co-worker with a water gun. Because we definitely <laughs> know he's a child. But the best part was, I, is, kind of. The best part is, yeah. So I, I was rewarded for my efforts with him definitely kind of like, ooh, shit. He definitely, he really does hold it. He really holds it. He does a good job. But it's still kind of there. So I immediately paused and went to trivia and looked it up, right, to find out if I was right. And then yeah. it, was even, it was even better because, yeah, then it turns out there was the extra detail of the script didn't, it was actually, it was supposed to be empty. Yes. But Christopher Judge, without Michael Shanks' knowledge, had filled it because of course he did. 
Of course this he is, did. This isn't even a little surprising. And yeah, shot him. And so that's like just kudos to everybody in that scene because they he, they maintain character the whole time. He they manages do. to keep with. He does not really break. He doesn't break. And then neither does Michael Shanks. And really, with him, I can't tell. Like I tried watching it again. Honestly, it, it, the shock is definitely there, but you can definitely tell him just going like. He, when his mouth is kind of open, you can definitely tell him assessing the moment, like, yeah, I can do this. Let's, do, let's, let's do this. All right, let's do this. So that's like the only no, moment that I do. He, he did a for really it. good job of that, like, Daniel non reaction where he just yeah. kind of stands still as he gets shot, like, I hate this. It's a good way to assess, though, because it's just like it gives him the actor time to go, now I can do this, let's do this. And then, it, but it still fits from a character point of view of, like, asshole. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, no, he does a good job, but there is something of just Michael Shanks to the way he like pulls his shirt away from oh, him God. afterwards. That was that was not only did he maintain, but then to have that extra moment. I love that they kept it too. I'm so happy yes. this worked. I'm so happy Teal this runs is the off end screen with his gun right? to go after the girl, just, and they just stay on Daniel. Does that shirt and he flap? Just stands there for a second, then pulls his shirt away from his chest a couple of times to like clear some of the water, yeah. and he's just clearly visibly cat angry about it. And knowing it's improv makes it even better because you can kind of tell that was like a split second decision yeah. when you look at it from that perspective, and it's great. Because it just looks like fun. It just looks like pure fun. And I don't care if it looks like the actor having fun. It's still fun. It's a Sometimes wonderful it's fun close on the episode. Yeah, it's no, I'm such here for a it. delight. No, it's, it's, a, it's, like I said, the premise, the MacGuffin is atrocious. I just hate it, personally. I just, bleh. So yeah, I, I don't like this episode. Like, it, it, the premise is meh for me. But literally, that's it. Everything else is terrific. Yes. <laughs> Because Robert happen Cooper to and like David this... Larry Smith are both good at their job. Yeah, it's honestly just a pity this isn't the MacGuffin that I like, and it's honestly a, more of a pity of me as a person, because I, like, sometimes I'm just kind of, like, a little bit willfully not of growth mindset, because it's like, I could modify, I'm sure, if I wanted to, my, my mentality to this kind of MacGuffin, but I honestly, I just yeah. don't want to. I don't want to. I hate it. I just, I don't like it. So, uh, guess what? We're done recapping Yay! this episode. So, let's quickly go through our, uh, segments here. Uh, nobody died... No. Teal Teal, came real goddamn Teal close, but made he did an effort. Not die. Yes, he made an effort to cocoon himself. He made an effort to gold bloom himself out of existence. Oh, God. I've seen that movie once, never again. Right? That once was enough. For bad claymation yeah. and for the everything. So, uh, are you a Jack or a Daniel for the week? I know I have a camera, but I'm going to stare at the microphone instead as if I can stare into your eyes and go, Mel, this question is hard. I know! I, I, can I give you my feed My feed on you? Sure. My impression? Sure, let's do this. <laughs> my instinct is to say you're a jack, mm-hmm. because he is the most vocally angry about the bugs the whole episode. Right? Oh, there was definitely tons of that there, so this this isn't really a, like a lose a win-lose kind of situation for me. Like, okay, So who am I usually? Who have I been the last few episodes? Uh, the last episode you were Daniel. Uh-huh. The episode before that, we were Jack, both Jack. Because Daniel, Daniel wasn't did in nothing it. in that yeah, episode. In it. Uh, and then you that? were Daniel, Daniel, Jack, and then a whole bunch of Daniels. <laughs> okay, so I've been a lot of Daniels. Okay, this isn't like a multiple choice test situation where it's like, oh, I haven't answered B in a while. Um, this, yeah. is, this isn't like that. It's mostly just trying to like remember like the things about the character that I tend to resonate the most with. Yeah. And seeing if that if those elements are present here. Um, a lot of what makes Daniel Daniel in those episodes, like, it's usually, like, his history nerd part or his, you know, yeah. anthropology mm-hmm. spot. Not that those aren't in this, it's just that it's, um, 
aside from a really dumb line about Earth ancestry, it's not yes. really that present in this one, so that's not really no. a thing I could check off. However, Jack's nature and how he responds yes. to things is definitely present. There aren't yes, any, for example, um, political navigation type scenes in this, so something that usually knocks me out for Jack doesn't knock me out for this. My deep dive pretty much ends with, I, 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 would, I would love to say Daniel, because he was a great source in this, and I definitely resonated with him a lot. Oh, yeah. But I definitely handled that scene where I was talking about how it looked like Richard Dean Anderson was um, blocking a cross shot. Yeah. I talked before about how much I love that particular trope. For some reason, one of the funniest ones to me is when somebody accidentally points a gun at someone else's face, and the person who actually knows how guns work goes and like, oh my god, away. no. And just like grabs it, you know, it's either really fast or it's like, you know, like the like, slow, like, as a person, like, is still talking, no one even interrupts the dialogue, they're just like, slowly, and yes. <laughs> just moving it out of the way. Yeah, that's a I good thing. Yeah. That's always funny to me. Um, that is a thing I love, and, and that really kills me, and I would kill to be in a situation where I actually got to live that out, you know, in a situation where I also don't actually want a loaded gun pointed at me, so I really am okay not actually having this happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll take Jack. This is good. I'm also going to go with Jack on this, not as much for how violently angry he is about the bugs, because you definitely have more of a problem with bugs than I do. I have a uh, problem but with... But all of his responses to Mayburn in this episode... <laughs> yeah are the kind of angry exasperation with the military-industrial complex. Uh, it's been a while since I had, I had to do the ding-ding. I had to get yeah, it in. It's, it's been um, a while. It's the same exact intolerance I would have. I just realized something we could do if we wanted to is that every yeah. time you mention uh, the military-industrial complex, I put in a quick little soundbite, which I'm sure we won't do because I'll have to pay money or something, but a quick little soundbite of... Um, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Because, <laughs> come on, that'd be so that'd be fantastic. That is funny, because that is the thing that haunts me in these show, this show, apparently. But yeah, just like, all of those, like, obviously, I wrote down all of his dialogue bits with Mayburn because I felt all of them in my bones. I'm not going to shoot you, Mayborn. Oh, no, I'm not going to punch you, Mayborn. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> right? Now, that shooting thing, just even though it's not the same thing, it just reminds me every time, as it always does, of that SGA uh, scene where they're testing the personal shield. And oh, yeah. I immediately comes around the, yeah, right, were about to talk about. comes around the corner just in time to see them <laughs> knock him off the balcony. And she's like, and you thought pushing him off the balcony was the, 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 the correct course of action. And they go, well, that's not the first thing we tried. And she looks at him. I shot him. In the leg. Like, he was all proud of himself. And then she, like, just keeps, she levels him with a glare. But yeah, it's like I I love that scene. So that would temp- mm-hmm. that, that would also be me if I fe- if I felt like you had a shield. I'd be like, well, before I would really heavily think about it, I probably would shoot you in the pinky toe and then be like, oh, I just figured you didn't need it. <laughs> like I figured worst case, I guess I'm Dargo. Yeah, I guess case. I'm Dargo because that's actually more of a reference to uh, Lava's and Many Splendor thing in Farscape. But yeah, I would be that person. I would definitely like shoot you in the yeah. toe first and then be like, oh wait, shit. So yeah, that that. That, that tracks with me yet here with Jack. But no, I do agree with you. They're both very uh, big moods, this episode. I, I could be either of them, but I just feel Jack's uh, just instant loathing of Mayburn and his, his... He's done trying to pretend to hide it. He's just done. Even I would be tempted to shoot him. Absolutely. Let's just say they're successful yeah. in building his character, because I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... 
This is actually going to be an interesting one. I actually have two questions here. Uh, so, Joaquin Phoenix. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, okay. No, I, I thought I, I by the end that, yeah. that you were still going to be thumbs up, especially with your last part where you're like, look, I don't like the MacGuffin, but it's still a good episode. Yeah, because the thing is, is I've, I've tr- at least I tried, hopefully, and hopefully even through editing it'll still be apparent, but at the very least I'll just firmly state it here. I'm aware that the MacGuffin issue is my personal yeah. preference. And that even though it's still kind of like hammy and cheesy and stuff, it's still just the normal Stargate fair level. Like it's a TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. You have budget confines. This isn't like this isn't like what we do in the shadows, where like they walk into a tombstone and it clearly moves, but they had such a low budget they couldn't do reshoots. So she just Aww. moves her hips around it and keeps going. What? Like, <laughs> this isn't that kind of level of shit. Like I, it's fine. Yeah. We're good. So no, I, I definitely. It's a good episode. I just don't I like the feel fun part. you coming around in the episode as we talked about it. To be honest, yeah. Because honestly, the only other thing I didn't like was the um, addition of the addition of convenience Mick ethicist. You know, wannabe. Harlow. Yeah, you know, Timmy Boyd. There are some who call me a moral equivocator of ethics. Uh, But then it turns out that wasn't the case. And so, yeah, he's not a bad element after all. So, yeah, we're good. That was was pretty much my only... This was a good episode. Yeah. I don't think either of us enjoyed the bugs. But, you know, still a good, strong showing from both Robert C. Cooper and David Wary Smith. Which is the second half of my question. Do we think David Wary Smith needs to be in the Hall of Fame by now? He's got a couple of really good, and this this episode in particular had a lot of really good directing choices. Okay, so Message in a Bottle was obviously the uh, aliens, parasite, the, the, the virus thingy. Jack pinned to a wall one. Yes, uh-huh. uh, and that was David Wary Smith. What was another one? Uh, okay, hang on. Let's, let's revisit. Need was David Wary Smith. Okay, Prisoners yeah. was David Wary Smith. Remember? Okay, yeah, we no, really we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, I will. Right. I will. I will second your claim, your petition. All right, and we're not gonna go back. We're just gonna start adding him now. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I this is the one. Fair. This is. The, it, it, I I like the idea of it being um there. They start being counted at the episode that officially gets them in. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Even though, like, he did a really good job with prisoners. I think at this point. We just have to add him to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's been a while, but he definitely deserves to be there with Dennis Berry and Martin Wood. He's he's a good director. He did a lot of really smart things with this, even with bad CGI elements. That's nothing he can help. But there were a lot of great decisions about where to cut scenes, mm-hmm. where to have, like, brief little, oh, here's what's going on. Back there to this. wasn't a terrible just car good. editing scene that made me want to cry, so there was nothing like that. So I'm happy yeah. about that. I... I like this guy, and I'm glad that we're going to be getting more of him. Yep. All right. Uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, five hours, so I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Well, I, I mean, I managed to cut off two hours of that one. So next week, we're going to watch episode 11, The Tokra, part one. Yay, continuity time. Woo, time to really get into the plot. It's interesting that it really took, like, ten episodes to get into the plot again. Right. This episode, like, you know, speaking of equivocation of ethics, some, no, some God, people yeah. making some... Hey, this, good lead-in, honestly. Yeah, this this is the Stargate it's writers the warming up to the idea of non-interference, because obviously that's an element that comes heavily into play when the ancients become much more of a thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is them warming up to that concept of, of assholes, in the sense that the Nox weren't really uh, that much of an attempt, because they were in no. one-and-done deal. They were in and out. Yeah. So that uh, this is an element, a long-standing element that, again, kind of like they did with the um, oh shit, 
the other, the, the advanced people, with uh, the guy who Tolan? thought... Tolan? Thank you. Tolan? Tolan, yeah. Again, one and done. This is an ongoing thing, much more, because uh-huh. even the Tolan, even though technically they come back, they're, again, not really in an impactful kind no, of way. No, no, no. So... Yeah, we've gotten... Because even, even yeah. though we've met, like, actual Thor now, the Asgardians still aren't a thing yet. Plus, again, even... Granted, it could be stuff that, like, it could just be that they, you know, come up with stuff to explain it later, and therefore mm-hmm. it isn't really, you know, it doesn't really count, but based on what we, you know, I know it's cheating, but what we know about the Asgard, they had their own problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So they weren't But I was just, I was just commenting on the fact that, like, you saying instrument. that, like, the Toker are the first, like, regular recurring, yeah. because, yeah, we've technically seen the Asgard now, you know, as they are, but they're still... Barely an element yet. Yeah, exactly. They'll get their time. So yeah, this is a, a good warm-up to not... But we're going to start with the Tok'ra. And honestly, yeah. there's something appropriate about the fact that our first real recurring big name is another version of the gold. I've never really been able to pick a side on the criticism that people always have for like Marvel, Marvel movies, for example, where it's always, it always comes down to the hero and the villain having this similar set of powers and facing mm-hmm. off. People seem to think it's a criticism. I kind of see where they're coming from, but at the same time, it's like, but if you go too out of your way to make them different, then you have too many questions that yeah. they're answering. That's like one of the reasons why Green Lantern's a really hard uh, one to, to translate to TV and movies, because every time he does anything, you, ha- you, you open a million questions of what else could he have done, because literally it's yeah. anything he can imagine. It's all about your uh, creativity. Exactly, and exactly. So... It's kind of like that. I get you. Well, we'll we'll uh, get more into it next week when we start dealing with the Tok'ra. Like like I said before, it's always interesting to come at this show now where we're like actually picking it apart. Plus, 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 Martouf, Martouf. Everything's always worth it if it's Martouf. Heck yeah, Martouf. I don't know also, why. Also, Jacob's but... going to get more tolerable. Yes. But J.R. Bourne, it's weird. Sometimes the weirdest... It's not like he's like not a good actor, but he's... Not like a huge, huge character in this show, but his actor's name I have never been able to forget. Like, I looked it up once and I was like, yes. And I've remembered him ever since. And apparently the fandom does too. Like, he still sort of shows up at conventions and shit. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, I just love that we all just fell in love with this guy who ends up having, like, what, five episodes, if that? Yeah, but Martuf is great. No, it's, it's great. So, like I said, even if this turns out to be like the Tok'ra isn't such a great storyline after all, fuck it, Martuf. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss and Liss at It's Liss Not Mel. Or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. Uh, a, a dual incursion through two irises apparently on two different locations. <laughs> Woo! And until next time. <laughs>